Cinemodities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, we return to our fourth month's fourth month of sketch comedy with no further commercial interruptions. I know Zach's excited about that for sure. So we are breaking form from the sketch comedy fort month. I know we kind of did that with our palate cleanser, uh, but that was more at uh, Zach's request than it was mine. But I wanted to break from this whole, you know, actual sketch comedy shows that we've been talking about. I wanted to break from the chronological order we've been going in, all the way from early 1990s with the idiot box up to, you know, the break of the uh, 2015s and the times we live in today with Key and Peel. I wanted to go all the way back to 1987 and discuss something that I don't think gets enough credit, the concept of a sketch comedy movie. So, yes, this is a film that is basically sketch comedy. And if you did not know these exist, they, they really do. There's not too many of them. Uh, of course, Amazon Women on the Moon, what we're going to discuss today, that's one of them. But more recently, I forget when it came out, maybe 2012, 2013, there was Movie 43, in which, I don't know if Zach ever saw that, but what, Dennis Quaid holds Greg Kinnear at gunpoint and gives him different ideas for movies, and that's the sketches. Um, we're not talking about Movie 43, I actually didn't like that one too much, but we're diving into, as I said, Amazon Women on the Moon. Before we get into history, context, why I'm choosing this one, and not Kentucky Fried Movie, I wanted to get your opinion, Zach. What are your thoughts on, on this kind of weird niche genre of sketch comedy movies? Were, do you even have a lot of experience with them prior to this uh, recording? Uh, I've, I've seen a couple of these. Like I never saw a Kentucky Fried movie. I did see Movie 43 because Rob told me... I remember when I saw the trailer for that. It was like bonkers and insane. Yes. And then like you see the movie and you realize, oh, good Lord, this is like a masterpiece of awful. Yes. Like it's shot... <laughs> it, 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 again, it's really in its own category for just being how bad it is. Yeah, I guess Rob, I should mention I did see Movie 43 in theaters back in the day and it was crazy weird <laughs> i'm trying to think which which is a rare experience seeing movie 43 in theaters or mcgruber Ooh, see i i would have to go with mcgruber just because i feel like the the strangeness and the craziness in that movie is you know it's veiled by the concept of seeing it and thinking it's an action movie where when you go to see movie 43 you are just ready to have Anna Ferris look directly at the camera and go, I want you to shit on me. And, and it's not really that crazy anymore, you know? Like, when you get to that point in MacGruber where he's like, I stole Val Kilmer's wife away from him. She was pregnant with his child. I asked for an abortion, and she agreed immediately. <laughs> like, that, like, there's two different levels of craziness there, and that's why MacGruber will always win. It has that... That veil where movie 43 almost was like trying to force it down your throats, the craziness and the weirdness. Okay. Because I'm looking at the box office. MacGruber made $8.5 million and movie 43 made 8.8. So we can say <laughs> MacGruber is a rare movie going experience than movie 43. See, uh, what you're telling me, Zach, is that you and I should have went to see MacGruber more in theaters. <laughs> Everybody should have seen MacGruber more in theaters. Yes, but we, we could have helped bridge that, what, $0.3 million gap you just said? <laughs> Sent $300,000. Yes, our high school selves could have just, you know, cashed in on 
all our finances at that time. <laughs> Mom and Dad, you need to mortgage the house. Why? We need to buy tickets to MacGruber. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna matter in in what twelve years? I swear. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I'm not really a big fan on these. Not because I have any sort of like distaste for them, but more of just like like Rob said, they are a rare commodity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I think I have to agree. These when when you know the whole this whole fort month started with me talking about how you know sketch comedy is almost my lifeblood along with music. I love it. I I don't think highly of the sketch comedy films. Um, I think they they fall into uh, problems with their length. I think you know when you get like a ninety minute or ninety minute plus sketch comedy event, you're always going to kind of run your audience dry. Maybe that's something we can talk about as we go through Amazon Women on the Moon. But I felt um, that I, I wanted to discuss this one in particular because it actually has uh, relation to me and my history, which I'll give the story, of course, in a bit. But I also I felt that this needed to be touched upon, the concept of sketch comedy movies, because I honestly don't know the next time Zach is going to allow me to discuss sketch comedy on this show. So I figured since I had eight episodes, one could go to this type of format, which falls right into the uh, the repertoire that we have discussed. So so I, I, I hope you know that it fits. I hope you know it's not like a perfect hair forever scenario where you think I misled you or duped you or anything, Zach, you know, with the foreign animation. This is still sketch comedy, right? Mm, more of an, I'd say it's more of an anthology film than there's anything else. Oh, okay, okay. I, I feel like, you know, sketch comedy itself might be a subgenre of anthology, but sure, we can discuss that in detail as we go <laughs> on. Uh, but like I said, I picked this one in particular, not Movie 43, not Kentucky Fried Movie, because this one has uh, some history with me. Uh, I think it was right before Zach and I really got to know each other. Um, Zach might remember better than I do, but my maternal grandparents, my mom's father and mother, they died within like three weeks of each other. And that was a, a big month for my family just because it was like, you know, a big transition with my mother losing both of her parents that quickly. But there was one moment in time that I will never forget where my grandmother passed away first and in the interim, when she passed away, before my grandfather died, we were down in the Bronx in City Island where they lived, um, helping them out, you know, just kind of, you know, my mom and, and her sisters and brothers and I was down there. The grandkids were helping everything out, you know, just making everything go smooth, making sure my grandpa was OK. And I will never forget that one time, you know, we were just kind of sitting around with my grandpa and he told us the story about how he was just sitting on his in his chair one day, flipping through channels and he found this movie and I had never heard of this movie before. I don't even think at this point in time in high school, I was privy to the concept of a sketch comedy film. But I sat there as, you know, like my 80 something year old grandfather was telling me about this movie that was just bonkers. Like he, he wasn't, you know, successively um, or successfully, I should say, conveying the idea that this was sketch comedy. He was describing things like, some guy dies and then his wife roasts him. He's describing the scenes where there's this movie about women on the moon and they say no more commercial interruptions and then a commercial comes on. And I will never forget that where my grandfather described this movie to us and it was something that he found incredibly funny. This brought him an insane amount of joy in the kind of two weeks that he had been without his wife for the last, you know, 50 years. I think they were married for like 60 years or something. So that's why I wanted to highlight this one, 
because I've felt fallen in love with it ever since. Every time I watch this movie, whether or not I find certain sketches funny or not, I always think of that. Like my old grandpa just sitting in his chair, like just laughing his ass off at some of these stupid sight gags in, in that point of his life. So this has a lot of sentimental value to me. And Zach, even that with that being said, you can still lampoon it as much as you want. I'm not going to feel bad, okay? Even with that emotional story for me, you can tear this apart as much as you'd like. <laughs> See, folks, that's now that that was some masterful framing the debate right there, because now that he's laid it out the way that way, no matter what I say, I'm going to sound like a jerk. <laughs> so, what I should have done now. When we talked about the 18th, I should have prefaced it with, right before my father was on his deathbed, he said, Zach, <laughs> here are the 18 CDs. Never let them go. Never stop dancing. <laughs> and at that point, Rob couldn't say anything or else he looked like a horrible person. Now, that, that is masterful, folks. That was a ma- in the history, in the annals of Cinemati's history. Long will be the day remembered when Rob framed the Amazon women on the moon debate. See, because that, you know, that's what I'm, I mean, you, Zach, and the audience all knows that's why I, I do this podcast. I want to make sure you come off as a terrible person, Zach. <laughs> if, if there's never been a more obvious day for that than this right now. No, no, I think, I think, you know, I want to tell that story because I said that's why I picked this movie. That's why this movie stands out to me. But also, Zach, I, I the way I said it to you is that you can still feel free to lampoon this and, and hate on it as much as you want. I would have done the same thing for 18s if they were a family heirloom. I still would have talked about the nonsense in those music videos. So feel free. Feel free, Zach. But, but yes, I, uh, I understand what you're saying. That was a good one. I'm glad you bring that up. <laughs> oh, man, Rob. We just lost the entire last three minutes of recording. It just picked up all of a sudden. There goes your entire framing device. <laughs> Is that going to be a Patreon exclusive where you see a, uh, a more emotional side or emotional story of me? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're gonna edit that out, and we're never. It's, I'm gonna delete it so many That's just times. Gone. Gonna, okay. I'm, I'm okay. gonna wipe my hard drive after this. Um, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. This uh, I had never heard of this before. When Rob originally, when I saw this in the spreadsheet, I'm like, oh, good lord, this sounds like some sort of like new age, like Hulu, Netflix nonsense. And I'm like, ugh. And then when Rob like gave me this, I'm like, wait, like. It's 90 minutes or however long, what, 90 minutes yeah. long, give or take. Yeah, and and you like, start it in, the, in Arsenio Halls, like the first person in it. <laughs> no, I didn't even get that far. Oh, this, oh before, okay. this is before I even had the file. Cause like, I, I remember like it was in the spreadsheet. And if you listen to this, this podcast on Spotify, you see that every week we have a new graphic forever. What movie we're watching. And so when I create those. I have to like type into Google, like some artwork to make the design. And I saw this, and it was like, a, like a, I don't want to say old timey, but like it was a movie poster. And I had known up until that point, this was going to be like a chronological series into sketch comedy. And yep. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, like, am I getting the right thing? Like, is this based on, like, it's, again, I was convinced this was like a Netflix nonsense show. But sure. it was a title like that. I figured, oh, God, it's, it's again, it's something modern. And then when I saw, oh, wait, like, it's an actual, like, movie? Like, not just like something weird Rob found at like 3 a.m. on Adult Swim? It's had, it, most of it is produced and directed by John Landis? <laughs> It's something somewhat like normal and no. So like, I was surprised by that yet. I was a little, again, as I was watching this, I, I clearly, like after, by the time you get to like the guy who's stuck in all the commercials or okay. sorry, he, he gets stuck inside the TV. I no. kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I, I got the vibe of this and I didn't really dislike this. It just feels like a lot of the ideas, like a lot of the concepts for the, 
again, Rob calls them sketches. I would probably call them more vignettes. Sure. I think work better on pen and paper than they do in execution. Like the idea of having like a credits, like credit score business for like dating men. That's a fabulous idea for a sketch, especially like in the mid eighties when things like that were becoming more and more prevalent. Yet it kind of falls apart by the end of the sketch, I'd say. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's why I feel. I feel like there's a lot. Like all the ideas are really clever on paper, but like in execution, like especially like the Carrie Fisher one at the end, like the very end. Yes. Um. That that I love that as an idea, but like how it's executed is like, eh. It's like, like I feel like you could have tweaked that a little bit better because sure. I feel like every the pieces are there. They just weren't arranged in the in the way an ideal way. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly how I feel with a lot of these, what I would consider these sketch comedy movies, such as, you know, this Kentucky Fried movie, Amazon Women on the Moon. Uh, oh, sorry, um, Movie 43. I, so there's another one, Zach, that I don't know if you've ever heard of, but it, I always confuse it with Amazon Women on the Moon, but it's Disco Beavers from Outer Space. <laughs> that sounds like a Netflix New Age show. It was an HBO New Age show at the time. I <laughs> there you go. So, but I, I think I agree with you where, you know, a lot of my feelings and your feelings that I'm getting and the critics' responses to movies like this is that their first thought or their first kind of, uh, you know, catchphrase for it is the quality is inconsistent. Like there's some things you laugh at, but then there's some that are real groaners. And it's like, just, yeah, that's when you throw this many ideas into 90 minutes or around 90 minutes of film, that's what you're going to get. This isn't a cohesive thing. It is just this kind of loose, weird, almost experimental structure. And I agree with you. These sketches and Amazon Woman on the Moon, these vignettes, whatever you want to refer to them as, some are winners, some are hard losers, some I completely forgot about until I rewatched it for this recording, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, again, I like the concept for most of these, but it just seems like there's some element, like, missing. Okay, okay. There's, there's, there's like a missing ingredient, almost, because a lot of them, like, again, I, I found most of them enjoyable. Like, this wasn't as, like, painful as, like, Key and Peele or Mr. Show, where it's like, oh, my God, make it end. Make it end. I think uh, that was because Zach saw the name Joe Dante in the opening credits and... And just, you know, everything was everything was rose-colored glasses from that point, right? <laughs> well, after, like, two months of this, it's so refreshing that we're actually discussing, like, a movie. Like, yeah. I want on record that every time Rob gets a Rob's choice, it's never going to be a straightforward movie. It's going to be something <laughs> that's just unconventional in, in some sense. True. So we're actually watching a movie, even though it's, like, an anthology film. It's at least, like, back to my comfort zone. Sure, sure, yes. Okay, I, fair, fair enough. So I guess before we jump into the um, specific bits and things that I had to highlight, what Zach had to highlight, uh, we should uh, say, you know, that the the setup of, of this movie, this Amazon Women on the Moon, um, it, it's very loosely structured as somebody, I've always taken it as the audience or an off-screen character, somebody is watching television, and they are flipping through channels, and every so often they get back to the late-night movie Amazon Women on the Moon, which we only get to see bits and pieces of because this person is flipping through channels. And as they're flipping through channels, we get things such as fake commercials, other TV shows, other sketches, and things like that. I, I know that there's some discrepancies with this theory. The whole movie really isn't the outside viewer flipping through channels, you know, 
the way it starts is very much like leading us into this universe and the guy that gets stuck in TV channels, you kind of say, you know, is that our, you know, tertiary character? Is that kind of what you got from this, though, that Zach, that the structure was someone flipping through channels and that was their kind of motivation for showing off different vignettes? Uh, I didn't I couldn't have made that assumption by myself. But now that you introduce it, I could I could get oh, okay. behind that. OK, I, I guess I've always taken it that way because, you know, we do get to see some between some sketches like the way they break it up very similarly to say, you know, whitest kids, you know, where when a sketch would end before the next sketch would start, they would put their little bumper that would say their name and have like that that noise or whatever. This they do that. They buffer sketches with like TV static and that like changing channels noise, you know, like that type of thing. And so that's what I've always gathered from it. I love that idea. I have loved for years the idea and music of creating songs that are like, you know, don't just change key, don't just change tempo, like like separate that change with like a radio static noise. So it's like someone flipping through radio stations and doing it with a TV channel is pretty cool, at least as a motivator to be like, you know, here's why we're seeing these different things. Here's why we're getting these different actors in these different settings and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, again, uh, when it comes to any anthology series, I don't. I don't think that you need to have like the crutch of explaining it all to your audience, like how they're interconnected. Sometimes okay. a vignette is just a vignette. Uh, I know things like I know with horror movies, there's a lot of like anthology, whether it be Creep Show, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Um, there's a bunch of others. First but I know three I, seasons of Black Mirror, only the first three. Oh, okay, well, I, I'm still I'm still waiting for uh, Miley Cyrus with the purple wig. Well, no, that's when it became comedy, so that doesn't count. So keep going. <laughs> But yeah, no, I don't think that the the creators or the uh, the producers have any sort of obligation to make them all connected. I I agree with you for sure that you know there's no obligation. You know we talked about that, like I said, in the whitest kids you know, where it seemed almost like it was a choice from the studio to say, hey, there there should be no connectivity because we want to break this up, and some will be 15 minute episodes, some will be 30 minute episodes, that type of thing. But as we've gathered, and I think you know this being the last episode of our sketch comedy fort month. I think this is just a difference between you and Isaac. I love this connectivity. You know, think back to Mr. Show, where all the sketches were connected, where I just love that idea, where you are the one who say, okay, I get that idea, but there's some parts that don't flow. Like, it, it's not necessary sometimes. If you're going to do it, do it right. Sometimes just makes it clunky. Mm -hmm. And and I, I'm, I'm with you there. And I think, you know, I definitely feel that way, you know, with Mr. Show, with what we said, and even this one, I think some of the connect connective tissue is difficult to uh, get by, at least in the sense that it's jarring. But overall, I think just the structure of, you know, oh, somebody's flipping through TV late at night. They find a B-movie that's kind of the anchor. At least it's the title of this film, Amazon Women on the Moon. And then we get to see all this other stuff kind of in between. I, I can get behind that, for sure. Yeah. Like I said, it's... Uh... It's a matter of preference. Exactly. It, does, it, do, it doesn't bother me on a fundamental level. I think that's I was, the motto of the sketch comedy Fort Month, that it's a matter of preference. Oh, clearly. <laughs> and speaking of preference, Rob's never allowed to choose another. Forget series. He's never allowed to choose another topic again on Cinemodies. At this point, yeah, I, think, I think I get um, the, the Monstober episode of Goosebumps that isn't in Monstober, and that's it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come back like a year from now, have some say. <laughs> yeah. No, he again that's it folks. He blew it all on this. I hope and he's I, happy. And, yep. I, I am I am very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I am ecstatic. <laughs> all right. So I don't know. Did you have highlights? Did you want to go through these sketches kind of, you know? I 
think we should break down every sketch because there's not a lot of them. There's like what uh, a dozen. Yeah, there's not too many, and you know, there some of them are pretty short. Some of them we can probably skip. So okay, um, the movie starts. Amazon Woman the Moon. We start with an airplane, and the airplane eventually lands. Arsenio Hall gets back to his apartment. His phone rings, and it's a wrong number for Thelma. And that's that's basically the joke of this sketch, right? Is Thelma's not there? <laughs> Well, it's again. This is one of those ones where like, I thought it was weird they began the entire movie with this because it is such like a, a been there, done that sketch where like all these horrible things keep happening to him. Yeah, I would say this is um. Wh- what's the best way to put this? Like a, a slapstick comedy of errors. Yeah. Like his his beer can is too shaken up, so it foams him in the face. His tie gets caught in the garbage disposal. Uh, the bookshelf falls on him. You know, it's just like. It's almost like Final Destination, the sketch. Yeah, but I did like when the bookshelf falls on him. He, like, punches his way through it, and it's clearly an outline of his body. Yeah, it made me think of the end of Nothing But Trouble, when Chevy Chase jumps through the wall, and it's the outline of his body. It's like Arsenio Hall punches through this bookcase, and it's the outline of his body. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cartoony in that sense. And I wish, in a way, they would have done more with that. Like, I I get it. This movie is not, uh, what's the word, grounded by any... Stretch the imagination But mm-hmm. I wish they would have maybe kind of turned up that Cartoony element just a little bit more Oh really make it like that Goofy you know almost like you know It's it's you're watching that cartoon-esque a little, more, yeah. a little A little more surreal Maybe not yeah. goofy but a tad More surreal Okay okay I do I do like when Right before or, or the uh, the Inciting incident for the bookshelf to fall On him is he walks up to it and he takes a magazine off of it, and then the bookshelf falls on him. That always makes me think of the Simpsons joke when Milhouse takes the poster off the wall, and Bart's like, be careful, that's a load-bearing poster. But I don't like this clown. Uh, I wouldn't take it down if I were you. It's a load-bearing poster. And the crack appears in the wall. Like, I love the fact that the bookshelf is there. It's in, like, almost all of the shots for most of this sketch. And then he takes one magazine off of a top shelf and it falls on him. Like, I think that's that's some great visual comedy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And yeah, there ain't no Thelma here. You got the wrong number. (laughs) That bitch don't live here. (laughs) Yeah, that was it's really weird that considering what the rest of this movie is, that would be their first sketch to introduce. Like to kind of like as a sketch that's there to set the mood for the rest of the film. This one feels a little almost too tame. Ah, I'm. Um, it's interesting you bring that up because I've I've felt that way before, but I've I've kind of had the sense that you know uh, well I guess it would take some looking up to see when it actually ran. But was was this put first because Arsenio Hall was a star at this time? I don't know my history well enough. This came out in what eighty seven. Like was that was he still like the hot thing? Were like were they saying like we're gonna kick off with a big you know hot star like Arsenio Hall type of thing? I don't think so, because coming to America wasn't until the next year. That's, oh, that's right, that's right, okay. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I, it could be, maybe there was, like, rumblings around Hollywood about him, it's like, oh man, we can get Arsenio Hall. Maybe. Well, when, was, when was his show? I guess that's the question. That was, uh, you mean the Arsenio Hall show? Yeah, oh, that was 89, okay, that was after this. 80, so. 87, 88. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So, this is, so he was, so he was, he was around for a while. Prior mm-hmm. to this, but I guess I don't know. This is a, this is a weird one. So yeah, he was around, but really he didn't. I guess this was right, like kind of like when he was like right before. I guess he kind of like exploded. 
Okay, okay, okay. No, but I, I feel you, absolutely. Like, this this is definitely a, a very strange sketch to start with. And it's definitely one that's, I would say, you know, out of character with the rest of the sketches we get, being at least very physical in terms of its comedy. Yeah. Well, there's nothing else about that sketch. Uh, then we get a Playboy penthouse model who does everything naked. <laughs> Well, this is the type of stuff you expect from. Like, it's funny. This is the part where I started to like remember movie forty three. Okay. Because it's again, got it's, that raunchiness almost. It's got that raunchiness, but it also has the idea of like, oh, when you see these models like in Playboy, which isn't really a thing any. Well, it's it's no longer a major part of the pop culture like it was mm-hmm. back then, and. It's like, oh, what, what do these models do in their spare time when they're known exclusively as sex symbols? And this woman wants to be, again, she wants all these things. She goes to church. She goes to the museum. And she just does it basically, what, straight up naked except for, like, yep. what, a, a pocketbook or a hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some jewelry. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's at least a ha-ha premise. It's raunchy. Uh, that that I, it makes sense for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, because it's probably my favorite part of this little bit where, um, you know, we see her out at a market and a supermarket or whatever, and she's naked out in public and that type of thing. And she's like, oh, just do my day to day life. But then it transitions to when she's like she says she starts talking about her strict religious upbringing and it cuts to the church. And I love the way it's shot because it like goes from the back pews up to like the one she's in. And then it slowly like glides into her just being nude in church. And I love that she's talking about her religious upbringing. Oh, oh, that's just, that's, that's perfect. That's, that's, that's (laughs) comedy. That's what it should be. You know, like that's a joke. (laughs) Yeah. And those are kind of rare to come by nowadays in that sense. Because you you couldn't get not to have another uh, installment in the cinematic series of you couldn't do that today. It's you. I would imagine if you want to have a sketch of the naked woman and you're not taking her seriously, yeah. It's like how dare you demean the, mm-hmm. the practices of these women? And that's it's like, a good oh, point. No. It's yeah, like, oh no, true. not again. Yeah, I, I think even like you know, because because this sketch is definitely you know, it's like it starts with she's at a photo shoot for Playboy or whatever Penthouse or whatever magazine she's doing, and then it goes into her everyday life where she's still naked. I feel like today you pitch this sketch, they'd be like, you're starting with a, like an, an erotic model. No, like unless this goes to where like she snaps Donald Trump's neck with her thighs, we're not going to produce this, you know, and you're exactly right. This would never get off the ground these days. No, because again, and, you, and you, it's you, for a completely different reason. This sketch is not political. This sketch is not feminist. This is just a funny joke because it's a fact of our culture that people are naked. You know, there's no real sexuality to it and i think that's what we lose today is where everybody's just like oh somebody might think it's bad so we can never ever do it rob you're not allowed to laugh at women only you're you're only allowed to laugh at amy schumer talking to men like about men like ejaculating on her that's that's comedy what if you're gay if you're a gay person can you a gay man can you laugh at women is that an okay like what are the lines no because that would never a gay man would never think about laughing at a woman Oh, oh okay Okay. Well, I guess that doesn't, we, that doesn't happen. Just, I guess we just convinced the audience I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> See, folks, now he's done it twice. He framed the debate. Now he's just he's just padding it. Now he's run, <laughs> He's running up the score at this point. <laughs> oh, oh, 
Zach, you're 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 great. You're great, Zach. You've been a trooper for this sketch comedy fort month. <laughs> folks, this is I remember folks, I, I suffered for this. This is kind of like my own uh bearing the sins of cinematis. I suffered with this for two months. I had the next two months to myself, more or less. Everything that I thought about before we started this podcast, I'm sure Zach thought about, and this was in the contract. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else about the uh well I guess it one. Oh, I just yeah. want to talk about the fact that the uh, the television broadcast of this had her wearing lingerie. Yes, we should bring that up. That uh, they they shot a second version of this sketch where we, she was not completely naked. I did not. I've never seen that. I haven't looked it up. I don't know if Zach did, so I don't know how revealing the lingerie is. But I guess if it was for television, it would have to be pretty. You know, it's not going to be anything. You know, just like uh, the string bikinis or anything like that, right? We'd expect. Uh, I didn't, uh, I don't know, we, I guess somebody has to type that into YouTube and see what they get because I don't, I don't remember, I looked into it and I couldn't find much, but to be fair, I didn't really try that hard either. Okay. Okay. Oh, I, see I, think I, I think I found it on YouTube. Oh, that's, that is, I see, fe- I'm looking at female nipples on YouTube right now. Is that oh, okay? Can I report that, that? Did I report? Is this, a, I, I need an adult. Zach, we need an adult. I mean, I, I, watched, touch? I watched female nipples yesterday in this film, but female nipples on YouTube? Like, what's going on, Zach? What am I feeling? What am I feeling? <laughs> oh, it's a, the notice says it's an age-restricted video. I guess I've put in my age. Oh, uh, okay. That, you got, uh, yeah, that makes they sense. got demonetized. Uh, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, I'll have to do some digging and see if I can find that, that version. Absolutely. This is see okay everybody just as Zach's oh, saying. Oh never mind. I've, no oh, no no okay. no. You're right. I am seeing. You're right. I am seeing boobs. Yeah yeah. Female nipples. It's atrocious, right? I know. I'm disgusted right now. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Oh. Women are oh. not sexual. Women are not sexual objects, Rob. Oh. I'm disgusted. I. You know what? I am reporting it. Right. I am going to take that report button to Pound Town. Zach and I are about to take a 45-minute break. I know that I am going to draft a letter to my senator right now, specifically about this video. <laughs> YouTube, why are you so misogynistic? I also I also want to point out the fact that Zach and I, for like, what, a good two minutes right there, we discussed searching for a version of a video with less nudity. <laughs> no matter what we've said and how bad people you think we are, for all the 9-11 references we talked about in Cinemodities, we're looking for less nudity right now, okay? We that's don't get ne- that on podcasts these days. That's never happened in the history of the internet. <laughs> that's yeah, never happened. There. People go on internet looking for a less naked version of a woman. That's There's never happened. We need the goat screaming. We just broke ground for the internet. <laughs> we did, folks. We broke new ground. Oh, man. Oh, that's good. I guess we might have to, like, you know, what? Yeah, how do we even find the theatrical? I mean, that's the, what I mean. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, 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 outside of, like, asking Rob to go look on his sketchy sites, I wouldn't even know where to begin for that. Yeah, I, I and I, I don't think even this movie is one that you know has a large support where the there would be the two different versions available. You know, like yeah, I think I, I, I can find this version and this version only. You'd have to probably find like a TBS broadcast, probably or or, or like TNT. Yeah, yeah. Because I know even like this movie's not even on Blu-ray. Do you think I should have found this as a TV rip and we could have discussed even more commercials? Oh my god. <laughs> That would be interesting. 2002 commercials, 2000 commercials, Amazon Women on the Moon commercials. <laughs> well, I'm even looking at like the DVD that was released um, 
they re-released it on DVD in January 2000. I'm sorry, June 2004. And it says deleted scenes outtakes. So maybe, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe. I know the um the uh the ventriloquist sketch with uh Dick Miller is a deleted scene. I don't know if it's was in the TV release though. I know there's also another sketch that didn't send Zach called The Unknown Soldier with Robert Loja. That is a deleted scene mm. on the DVD, but I'm not sure about the sketch, about the uh, Pet House one. Oh, okay. Uh, it was released on Blu-ray, but only in Region 2. What is what is that? Re- that, that is... Two? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, it, that's, I think that's Europe. I think that's Europe only. Yeah, it was it was it was released in uh, Europe on Blu-ray, April twenty eighteen. You know what? You're right. I've always seen those DVD region codes, and I've never looked into them. Well, a lot of Blu-rays aren't region coded anymore. I know four K is not region coded. Period. Oh, for the most part, right? Region two is like fucking Europe, Middle East. Yeah. And what? Greenland and Iceland? What? Yeah, it's mostly (laughs) Europe. Okay, okay. We're region one in America. Yes, region one. Okay, interesting, interesting. I guess, what's that, an eBay purchase then? You need to first buy the player that would actually play it. Oh, oh. You, you'd have to find a now player. Now Zach's talking my language. I gotta do some hardware work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are there are a region free, I know, I think some PS3s are region free. No, no, that's not right. I know there's there's one game console that does region free. Okay. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, though. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know enough about that, so interesting. Cool. But yeah, so uh, it'd be worth seeing to see like what they consider like covering her up. Exactly, exactly. You know women shouldn't have to cover themselves up because the, the female body is perfect. Yeah, I mean... Misogyny! Yeah. Ben- benevolent sexism. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, next sketch is... Murray getting zapped into... His favorite TV shows. Yes, yes. So this, what this dude buys the new highfalutin, high fancy TV set, and he gets such great resolution. But then eventually he gets zapped into the TV, and he's at what a, a baseball game where Phil Hartman is the announcer. Yeah. Uh, he gets he gets stuck in the music video for "If This Is It" by Huey Lewis in the news as one of the heads in the sand. I always find that hilarious because they. Because they literally replaced one of the band members with his head. <laughs> they didn't add a head. They replaced mm. one. <laughs> no, yeah, I think this is this is one of my least favorite sketches. I think just because it's 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 a little more of the sophomoric humor. For yeah. Me. Not that not that a lot of these aren't sophomoric, but this is very much just like, whoa, isn't it cool? You're in the TV. Like, I think there's there's got to be like a goosebumps or a, a kid show yeah. type of thing that does this, where oh, I'm stuck in the TV. You got to help me. You know. That's kind of my question while watching this, though. Is it like, was this the first time that that bit had ever been done before? Like, someone being like zapped into a TV, and when the person like changes the channel, because I know that's like what a Treehouse of Horror gag at one point. Yeah, that you're. I right. wonder. You're, I wonder if this is the first question. time that's ever been done that bit. Because if it is, then it's pretty clever. But if it's not, then it's highly, highly derivative. I had the same thought. I think with a few of the the bits from this movie was, you know, it's like I've seen this before, but. Have I seen it before because I'm older than this or this movie's older than me? And was this the first thing to do it? And I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
that is there like a website for that? Like the first people that did it? Because I feel like this question just gets asked all the time, whether it be on Cinemodities or any podcast. Everybody's always asking this question. Be like, is this the first time this has happened? And no one ever knows. We got to create a website for that. We'd have to that that we would need grant money for. That is no easy undertaking, right? <laughs> Go through every movie and just document whether it was the first time. Uh, yeah, something pick, happening. Pick one very like you know specific concept and just trace it through film. And then when the year goes by that you've done it, and you found the first time it happens. You get to move on to the next very specific concept. It's not a winning battle. <laughs> <laughs> You no, but I, I hear you, Zach. I, I agree with you. 1987, I don't know if this was the first time or not, because this has been done, like you said, Simpsons, uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force did it. I'm sure kids' shows today are still doing it. I'm sure Sophia the First did it. You know, <laughs> she went into some book or something like that and had to fight the... Uh, Adventure Time did it. There you go. There's another example. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you, Zach. Who knows? Who knows, indeed. <laughs> but he sh- I guess we should note that he shows up throughout the entire... Uh movie yes he does in uh in different sketches we get he does appear and he screams selma <laughs> his wife's name selma get me out of here all right well after he shows up we get that establishment we go to um uh we'll see what zach's th- zach's zach's thinks about this but one of my favorite sketches from this film is the baby sketch where griffin dune well of course as we've established on here i love griffin dune he plays a doctor that is basically giving a couple that just gave birth a runaround so as to reasons why they can't see their baby because he lost it. So I guess before we dive into it any further, as I said, I, I enjoy this sketch. What did you think about this one, Zach? I, I thought this one was pretty good for the most part. Right on, right on. Um, it gets a little tedious after a while because, again, it's, it's playing the joke like to the, like, to the absolute thinnest. But sure. there's some clever things where, like, he walks, he's like, oh, I found your baby. Oh, good, good. And it's Mr. Potato Head wrapped in a, in a blanket. Like, that's I great. Do the, what's his name? His name is, like, Peter Hornson or something, the guy that plays the father who also directs yes. part of Peter, the sketches. Peter Horton. This, Peter Horton, yes, Horton. I love his line, as you just mentioned, with the Mr. Potato Head. He goes, that's not a baby. And there's, like, an awkward pause. That's a Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> like he delivers it perfectly. <laughs> that that's okay. But the thing about this, like that sketch, like I can plays on like paper a lot better than execution because mm-hmm. like as all of his little like attempts to like, oh god, evade their questioning, and then like oh he comes back after that. It's like oh I found your baby, and it's his hand with like what like like marker oh, written yeah, the on lipstick it. on. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the precursor to Jennifer Lopez from South Park. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's a reference. Something hot and spicy. Spicier. Spicier. Burrito, taco, taco, burrito, taco, 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 don't think just because I got a lot of money, I'll give you taco flavored kisses, honey. Don't feel all your wishes with my taco flavored kisses. Taco, taco, burrito, burrito, taco, taco. Don't feel all your wishes with my taco flavored kisses. Well, no, I think I think the hand joke pays off really well because like they the 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 mother what un, like they lift the blanket and it's his hand and then Griffin Dune pulls out the bottle and then he goes oh do you not want the baby to have the bottle should you breastfeed him and he puts yes. his hand near her boobs like that's great that that's a good joke 
<laughs> no, that's good. No, that's solid. I no, that that's good. Like no, this is probably the my favorite of the entire film. Oh, Cause, okay. Because because it does. It, its execution is better than all the others. I'd say. Gotcha. I, I do think that this sketch, something we've talked about in the other episodes of this Fort Month, um, uh, sketches seeming prescient. I definitely think this one is, even though, of course, it might have been going on our whole lives and Zach and I only know about it because we're living through it now. But I'm getting, I get the sense of, you know, kind of this sketch was where someone like the doctor is saying to the patient where it's like, you know, oh, we need to keep the baby in quarantine, blah, blah, blah. And the parents go, well, we're Lamaze graduates and we, and he goes, oh, I'm so glad your three hours of lying on a floor make up for my medical degree. And I feel like that's what we're going through today, where there's the people who are like, well, I looked on Google and it's like, I'm so glad Google beats education and experience. So you're right. That was. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty. That's a good line. That, that yeah, was a good yeah. line. I, for, I forgot about that. And I also, in uh, for some reason, well, maybe not some reason, just because I, I saw the other movie first, this sketch always makes me think of the doctor or the delivery scene from Freddy Got Fingered, albeit a much oh. less gruesome version. <laughs> My baby's coming. My baby is coming. Call the doctor, you fucking asshole. Oh, it's okay. I'm a doctor. No. I am a real doctor. I'm a real doctor. Ah! Ah! Get away from me! Here, spread your legs for me, okay? No! No! What are you doing? What are you doing? I see the problem here. There seems to be a little baby inside your body! Because this, they start kind of the same way, where the woman's in labor, and Tom Green starts to play the doctor, and he, like, picks up the clipboard, and he's like, oh, what do we have here? I'm a doctor. I went to school. And he's saying, like, nonsense things. And then, of course, you know, we end with Tom Green whipping a baby around by its umbilical cord, which we never get to in this film. But I, it always makes me think of that same vein where we have this doctor who's playing someone more sarcastic and uninformed than you'd expect. Yeah. It's no, great. it's cool. It's, it's neat. And they eventually, yeah, I, what, they eventually find the baby? Yeah, the nurse finds the baby and she hands it to the parents and says something like, he was down the hall in the laundry hamper. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And I, I do love the final bit where the nurse, as she's leaving, she's like, doctor, you're scheduled for surgery for the kidney transplant. Where's the donor organ? And Griffin Dune, like, pats all his pockets and he goes, geez, I had it when I left the house this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that like that whole oh it's you're right it, it's executed very very well and they play it to its thinnest without ever really breaking it like we've talked about in other sketches absolutely mm-hmm. yeah no i agree that was the that's probably my favorite of the entire lot okay okay and from there we go on to uh joe pantaleone possibly on heroin because he seems so tired in this sketch when He's talking about putting carpet on your head to prevent baldness. You know, remember the sketch, Zach? Oh, oh yeah, no, this was neat. Okay, I, did, did it's, you? It's a clever premise. It's a clever it idea. Is, but didn't Joe, Joey, Joey Pantaleon, Joey Pantaleonos, or whatever his name is? It seemed like he was, like someone had just woken him up. <laughs> well, he seems a little on edge. Okay, okay. It, there was something weird about that performance. I, like, it didn't fit with the tone of the sketch in the whole movie, I felt like. 
like, I don't know. It's like, uh, maybe, maybe it's a case of like, they couldn't do another take or maybe it's a case of he was on something, but I, something's always stood out to me. It seems really strange. His performance. Yeah. Again, he seems a little on edge, but no more than anything else. It's, it's no more peculiar than anything else in this movie. Okay. Okay. That's fair. And I guess I should also say that this is the first bit of this movie that we get that is directed by Joe Dante. Good old Joe Dante. Oh yeah, absolutely. Once we break from the, uh, the hair looming commercial, we jump right into our first bit of Amazon women on the moon. And before we even talk about anything in this bit, or I guess the continual bit, because this is almost the, the, uh, cement of the movie, if you put it, or maybe, you know, weak glue of the movie. Um, Amazon women on the moon, every time they introduce it, they say brought to you with no further commercial interruptions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, and then whole, of course, we just get interruptions. <laughs> whole thing is punctuated with interruptions. Exactly. So I've always loved that. I, I think that's just kind of the part of the structure that I've always just chuckled at. But I do also have to say the uh, the guy who plays Butch in Amazon Women on the Moon, the guy with the monkey, the younger of the space astronauts, that's Joey Travolta. That's John Travolta's older brother. And you can tell that he's doing like a John Travolta stick. Or shtick, I should say, you know? Those segments are cute because they're, for the most part, played straight. Like, they're trying, they're deliberately hamming it up. Yeah, they're being the B-movie, uh, late-night B-movie sci-fi stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's meant to be schlocky, and that's kind of, that's neat. And it's a little, like, uh, wraparound vignettes that connect all the yep. others. Joey Travolta has a monkey called Looney, because they're going <laughs> to the moon. So, like, <laughs> Lunar, it's just, oh, it works, every level. <laughs> Well, I even like too. Like you look at some of the stuff. Like um, I, I'm pretty sure in one shot, when they're talking to the president, you can see like the astronaut shadow on the the president. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's deliberately meant to look corny. It's deliberately meant to look low budget, and that'll even come into play later on with our. Uh, Was it? It's it's BS. BS or oh, not? Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Also with the um with the Carrie Fisher sketch, the reckless uh, youth sketch. Um, there's like three cutaways under a minute and it cuts to the same room just with different props every time. <laughs> yeah. Again, so, that's, okay. that's the weird thing. Like I said, this, this feels more disjointed. It feels like there wasn't just one artistic vision here or one like creative force. It feels like, Oh, everybody else, like there are too many cooks in the kitchen. So when we finish the first Amazon woman on the moon sketch, I believe it ends off with, um, their getting ready to land. On the moon, I think that's where that ends. But then we go into um, probably my second favorite bit of the entire movie. Uh, the first we haven't gotten to yet. I, I, I think the last one that we discussed, the Griffin Dune Doctor one, that's probably my third. But my second favorite is you need to donate to the Blacks Without Soul oh. Foundation. Oh, David Allen Greer as Don No Soul Simmons is amazing like when they do the bit where it's just he's singing these songs that are well known for their you know their gumption their vocal emotion like i don't think it's in this bit i think it's when he comes up later on when he sings a version of joy to the world by three dog night which is a song that nobody knows the name of but everybody knows it starts with the line with a very gruff Three Dog Night singers going, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Jeremiah was a 
Don No Soul Simmons is just like his his back. He's not even sitting up straight. It's like he has a yardstick on his spine. He's sitting up so straight. And he's playing the piano and he goes, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. And it's it's oh, that is so funny to me. Don Simmons down and funky. A bullfrog was a good friend of mine. Never understood a single word he said. This two record collection is not available in any stores, so order now. Yes, he always had some mighty fine wine. That you take these songs and just remove the vocals from it, it's 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 perfect. And David Allen Greer, this was before in Living Color. And this is like exactly what he's great at is playing that, you know, those characters of the, the you know, I'm using quotations, the non-black characters and really hamming it up and doing a great job. It's hilarious. Even the shots when he's singing and then they go to his feet and he's tapping his foot out of time. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. They even, they even got B.B. King. Like, yeah, yeah. Because even as I was watching that, I'm like, is that really B.B. King or they get like an actor to stand in for him? Oh, it's I've I played this sketch for people uh, when B.B. King died. I remember the day B.B. King died. I was hanging out with people who really love B.B. King. And I was like, you ever see him in his blacks with no soul commercial? And they were like, we have no fucking idea what you're talking about. And I played this for him and they loved it. <laughs> yeah. And there's another sketch that it would not air today. Exactly. You could you you could not get this on people wouldn't touch this today. I was thinking the exact same thing, also along the lines of what we said with a lot of Chappelle show stuff. Like I mm -hmm. think they just kind of go hand in hand. Where yes, just seeing this sketch, I think never going to fly today. But also watching this sketch, I'm like, this is something that you know Dave Chappelle might have tried. Like if he had this idea, or if he. He might have been influenced by this. We don't know, but this is this just screams kind of his topics to me. Well, that's a weird thing, though. Did Chappelle ever like delve into the idea of like, oh god, like w black people being like? I guess Wayne Brady's his his thing of that. Like, oh god, what's the, what's the uh, Paul Mooney saying? White it, people love Wayne Brady because he makes Bryant Gumbel look like Malcolm, Malcolm X. X. Yeah, that's exactly. probably the closest we get to it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the same type of humor, though. Absolutely, absolutely. But no, this was uh, it's, it's I appreciate this one more for like I already said. It's the idea that like, oh, this is a type of comedy we won't be able to touch for a few years at the very least. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's it's great. <laughs> the struggle is nothing to laugh about. The struggle isn't the uh, the concept of uh, black people without souls. Or, or soul. I guess there's a difference. Uh, soul. Oh, soul. Oh, man. Oh, he blew it, folks. <laughs> he blew it, folks. After all that framing, he just said maybe the most racist thing in we the history right of We went right back to racism. <laughs> oh, man. You really, we really, you are the whitest person you know. <laughs> oh, man, folks. Rob, oh, God, I, oh, man. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hoss, the phone's ringing. Yes, yes. Canceled? Oh, really? Oh man, Rob Pod Podbean just took uh, just canceled us. Mm, we got canceled. Okay, okay. God, well, God damn it, Rob! This the sketch comedy series doomed <laughs> cinema these. <laughs> Rob, possibly I have all the things I've said on this. Like Rob makes fun. He's like Zach, just say it. You're never going to be a politician. You don't have to sit there yep, sugarcoat I'm, your language. I'm eating and my Rob words now. 
Rob blew it all. Like twenty years from now, Rob's gonna be like, like, like applying for the Nobel Peace Prize or like this Nobel like Science Prize, and it'd be like, back in twenty nineteen, you said the phrase "blacks with no souls." <laughs> you're done, Nick Andrew. You're done. Oh, that's great. That's hilarious. Zach. See, that's he made it worse, folks. He, he, someone's you know what? I did. Like, I did make it worse, but it's hilarious. <laughs> It's gonna be Rob. Someone's gonna cut this like out of thing when Rob something happens in twenty years, and it's gonna be like blacks with no souls, and it'll be that's great. Uh, well, all right, before, yeah, before we get to any what it's gonna be what you know maybe what uh, twenty thirty two or twenty thirty six when Zach and I are the two presidential candidates, <laughs> we're gonna be pulling clips from our the same podcast to, to smear each other. <laughs> well, I figured we'd be on the same ticket, and our like, and our our opponent would be pulling from this. Oh, we're, oh, like we'll be yelling, we'll be yelling at our staffers. We thought we told you to get rid of all this. <laughs> See, I like if we're running against each other, and then people oh, okay. like people that know us are going to be like, "This is just a scam." Like when one of the wins, <laughs> they're just going to both be in office, and then we'll we'll hold a press conference to be like, "No, it's not a bit. We legitimately hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a competition." <laughs> it all started with the sketch comedy series. Yes. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess then we should move on before things get worse. <laughs> if, if they can get any worse. If they can get worse, I guess we'll have to see as we go on, right? It's all uphill from here, folks. <laughs> so yes. Next, we have uh, the sketch Zach already mentioned. The um, what is it? The background check. The the date background check, in which we get to see Rosanna Arquette and Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, Steve Gutenberg, like, who I'm pretty sure is dead right now, right? I, I, I don't know. I've, I've literally only ever seen Steve Gutenberg in Police Academy 1 through Infinity, and then this. So I, I don't know. <laughs> and I've only ever seen him in the Tower of Terror movie. Period. God, was he in that? Yeah, there is a TV uh, Tower of Terror yeah, movie. Yeah, I saw that when I was a kid, but I, I never would have remembered he was in there. Folks, look forward to Monstoper. We might be talking about that. That'd be... I remember someone, someone had that on VHS when I was a kid. That's how I. Went. I don't think they've ever released it beyond VHS. <laughs> That's a VHS exclusive. Man, I totally forgot about that thing. Okay, yeah, you're you're right. Okay, he's been well, in movies like, like just in 2018 alone, he acted in like over half a dozen movies. Yeah, apparently he was in a movie called Les Bomb. The Adventures <laughs> of Bunny Bravo. A love you too. I I love what you. What? What the hell is this, Rob? What kind of like rabbit hole are we falling down? I mean, that's the the whole this whole movie, Amazon Woman on the Moon, starts with you know directed by or produced and conceived by John Landis, and then it says starring lots of actors. So that's <laughs> that's the rabbit hole we've gotten. Right. We haven't even gotten to Andrew Dice Clay yet. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, Steve Gutenberg, Rosanna Arquette, great to see, but this sketch, like we said, is, you know, maybe another one that isn't really prophetic, but it's just been an idea that's existed for years. As long as men and women have been dating in society, it's always been like, how do we get a background check on our partners, right? It's almost like low-hanging fruit, to some extent. Well, now it seems like low-hanging fruit, but now I, oh, but back then, okay. it probably was rather a novel concept. Yeah, yeah, and that I think that's what uh, we were saying before. It's like, you know, was this is this the first time this happened? We don't really know. Yeah, because nowadays we have like, oh, good lord, if you want to like spy on somebody, it's it, your options are uh, unlimited. Yeah, yeah, you know. You can't gain too much from Tinder bios. You have to do those background checks. 
without their permission or uh, any sort of like respect for someone's privacy. Two for- without the two forms of identification. <laughs> but again, this is another sketch that like I thought was a clever idea, but like it goes on just a little too long. We're like, again, she's yeah. like, oh, I need two forms of identification. He's like, okay, whatever. And she like swipes the card. And she, she has a little like uh, a little like receipt comes out. And it's like, this is the fourth time this month that you told a woman that like, you know what? You're pretty beyond this blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. And then like the sketch ends. Like again, he walks out and, she, and it's like, oh, okay. How's it go? Yeah, he, like, he calls up. It's like, hey, Jane. Jane. Yeah, he calls another available? woman and she says, yeah, you can come over, but bring two forms of identification. And it's like, ah, Again, I, I agree with you. It should have ended when he leaves Rosanna Arquette's apartment where he's like, you know, oh, it's like uh, he, he leaves all in a huff and she goes, maybe you'll have fine luck finding a woman at a bar like you did last Thursday. Like, that's where it should have ended. Like, you didn't need well, the extra step of like other women are doing this. I get well, it. I think you do need some punctuation. You need to end with a haha moment. But I think what should have happened is that he should have gone to the bar and he figures, oh, and then maybe the like some he meets some woman at a bar and like I don't know, he's having some really good chemistry with her. He's like, maybe we should get out of here. And she's like, well, first, and she pulls out like maybe like remember it was like Chappelle's show. There was like what the the mini stenographer or the to, the travel stenographer. Yeah, that's, yeah. And, then, and then that's the second part of it. It's like it can, every every oh, every okay. woman has it's something like that where it's like oh nowhere is safe. Where something like the woman at the bar has a portable version, or even she like says to the bartender, "Hey, can you run a background check on like some yeah. way to get it involved in that public setting?" Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, you, I hear you. Absolutely, that would have made it better. Absolutely. Yeah. Hundred. You need you need a comedic beat to punctuate it though but it just can't be like the exact same thing again oh he go he tries to like get another woman's attention yeah. he calls her up and it's like oh but it's the same thing again he can't yep. escape it which is another yeah. thing that's maybe which is maybe oddly prophetic now when it comes to men that like if you do screw up in a way you can't escape it mm. and if you, if you mess up with one woman maybe with today's like social connections with people there could be there could be something to be said about this yeah, yeah, definitely. It still applies today, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Um, but yeah, uh, it, for the most part, but again, it feels a little... I don't know. Like This this feels more like a 90s sketch. Like This is something I could very easily imagine seeing on like Mad TV in the 90s. Yeah. In a weird way, this might have been almost like ahead of its time. Oh, good point. Good point. Absolutely. It's fine. It, again, it's a, it's a premise that sounds better on paper than it does in execution. Sure, yep. And it is, like you said, it is one of the longer bits we get in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the next sketch, uh-huh. which does it, which would not play out better on paper, My is... favorite sketch of the film. <laughs> Bullshit or not, which if you look on fucking Wikipedia, they say it's a parody of Ripley's and fucking In Search Of, but no... No, no, no. When Henry Silva walks out onto the fucking frame with a trench coat on, you better damn well believe this is a parody of Unsolved Mysteries. And I love it. The quote, I will always, I will always love the line from this. We have new evidence that suggests that Jack the Ripper was actually, in fact, the Loch Ness Monster. And it cuts to the giant Loch Ness Monster prop. Oh, Oh, it's great. Perfect. Jack the Ripper. Was he a prosperous London surgeon? Perhaps a member of British royalty? Well, our bullshit team has unearthed spectacular new evidence which suggests 
that Jack the Ripper was, in fact, the Loch Ness Monster. Is it possible that Nessie murdered five streetwalkers before returning to Loch Ness? Her everything about this sketch is perfect, especially the fact that I think Zach would bring up if I did not bring it up. It is, I think this is the perfect length. It does not run too short. It does not run too, run too long. Everything you need is in here from the beginning to the end, and it's fan-fucking-tastic. You know what's really weird, though, Rob? I'm not entirely sure if this is Unsolved Mysteries, because the very first episode of Unsolved Mysteries aired, and this is back when they did specials. This is before oh, Robert Stack. Oh, the God. first episode was November 1987 with Robert Stack. Oh, and it debuted September 1987. <laughs> I'm losing it. I'm losing it over here. <laughs> so there's a very good possibility that this film inter influenced Robert Stack and Unsolved Mysteries. So Unsolved Mysteries is a Copy. parody of this sketch, not the other way around. Yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, but it it fits so perfect. Even at the end, when you know we get the whole little reenactment of the hooker like takes the uh, the Loch Ness monster behind the corner, and he's like, "Oh, you're in a hurry." And they once they pass the corner, the host comes back out and he goes, was this the way it actually happened? Was Jack the Ripper a 50-foot sea serpent from Scotland? Did I take this job to make a quick buck? We may never have the answers. That's so Unsolved Mysteries, right? Yeah, I know. It plays yeah! more like that. Oh, my God. This is insane. <laughs> I like the idea that, uh, who is it, John Cosgrove, like the producers of Unsolved Mysteries see this and they're like, oh crap, yeah. we got it, we have this it. Is it. This is the formula, and we can never let anybody take it away from us. That's why this movie <laughs> Whether it be no in exposure. YouTube videos or anything else. <laughs> That's why this film has no exposure, they've suppressed it all these years. <gasps> we can never let them know that it was a Loch Ness Monster, Jack the Ripper sketch that gave us this idea. I'm glad you bring this up because this is not something I would have looked into. I, like literally, because even when we did our unsolved mysteries series on Cinemodities, I was like Zach. I've known about this forever, but I've never really watched any of it. When I watched this movie, even way back in the day, like when I was in high school, it was it was like I thought this was an unsolved mysteries parody, and now I I just never would have looked to think. Or never would have thought to look when which one came out first. So this is crazy. Well, they came out within like months of each other. So there's a good possibility that maybe one saw the other one. And they were just was like, like stupid? Yeah. That's awesome. Who, who directed this? Who directed that sketch? Joe Dante. <laughs> oh boy. That's I don't know. Joe Dante depends. Joe Dante was like, again, this was right like in the wake of Gremlins. Yeah. So he probably could have gotten on again the the NBC lot. I think that's oh. Unsolved Mysteries, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Universal. Oh, yeah. NBC was the original show. Yeah. This is. This might be the most promising thing we could get grant money for. <laughs> Which came first? We have some evidence that there's a connection. <laughs> we interview all the crew members of Unsolved Mysteries in 1987 and of Amazon Women on the Moon. Were you ever? We can only hope that our documentary ends in a very similar way as to like the original um, Night of the Living Dead, where we discover that like. Joe Dante was peering through a hole in a wall to see the set of of Unsolved Mysteries, and he came up with a parody for it, and then they shoot him away, of course, instead of getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> I like to oh, imagine Rob, awesome. 
Rob and I win the lottery, and the first thing we do with all, or we, we get all the grant money we need, and the first thing we do is hire like a, a private investigator to figure this out. It's like, okay, we want you to figure out which came first. <laughs> I love that idea of being interviewed. What are you going to do with all the winnings? Joe Dante. Joe Dante, <laughs> where are you? Robert Stack's dead. You're the only one we can ask. <laughs> Oh, uh, so I'm glad you. So you loved this sketch as well. I I, 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 I dug it because of how goofy it is and over the top. Yeah, like yeah. this. This is the sort of like surreal thing I wish they would have done more of. I don't even mean surreal, but like more again cartoony. I yeah. could have I could have used more of that in this because yeah. I love how even the, the Loch Ness monster prop, like even though it's pretty convincing as it's moving, you can hear like its gears grinding. Yeah. So like again They want you to know that like even though it's a rather Like convincing effect they want you to know How kind of like clunky it is at the same time I love when the uh, the, the lady of the night turns around And they reveal the Loch Ness monster prop And it's just like literally Twice more <laughs> than twice her height And she goes oh you're a Biggin <laughs> <laughs> I love how he's dressed like in such like a dapper attire too. Yeah he has the, like the, the black Dressed up drench, trench coat. I uh, think there's a hat or something on him. <laughs> it's yeah, it's great. Perfect. It's good. Oh, it's good. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally subscribe. I think Jack the Ripper was uh, the Loch Ness Monster now, you know? Well, do we? were they ever in the same room together? I, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> was Jack the Ripper and Ted Bundy ever in the same room together? <laughs> I like oh, that oh, argument. <laughs> that I, 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 we need that. We need a Loch Ness monster driving, driving like a yellow, like VW Bug. Imagine that somebody up in a carpet. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, uh, tangent. Rob, we have to do Ted Bundy for Monstober. Oh, the, I mean, if you're if we're talking about the Ted Bundy movie, we're always talking about. I will have no problem with that. Yeah, we, we might have to do that now. That okay, I would I have no you. problem if, if you need to fit that in as a bonus episode, <laughs> Zach. I will always talk about that movie. Just, you, not just for the fact that I get to scream at you in response to things. Da, na, 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 na. Imagine Loch Ness Monster. It's like, holy shit. Look at that. Thwack. <laughs> Fuck the scene, you. The scene in like, the, the shed or the barn where he throws the woman down and she screams. She's like, ah! Imagine the Loch Ness Monster like, <laughs> like a dinosaur roar. <laughs> you hear the Loch Ness Monster. Fuck! You bitch! Ah, <laughs> oh, oh. The Loch Ness monster putting lipstick on a human head. Oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about. Oh my god, that's perfect. I will never forget that movie, Zach, because the last time I saw it was with you. <laughs> you know what I think is really weird is that today is the second. This is the second time today that in a podcast recording, Ted Bundy came up as part of the conversation. <laughs> I wonder if I can hit the trifecta later tonight. We're just those types of people, Zach. We're talking about serial killers, 9-11, feminism in the worst ways. Black people with no <laughs> souls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. What kind, of what kind of company do I keep? <laughs> Every once in a while, I take a step back. Like, what did I get myself involved with? I'm, I'm the, 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 the common best, factor behind all these. The best way to put it is that when you go to hell, you'll be <laughs> friends. Okay? That's the best way to think about it. I'll never be lonely in the afterlife. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. And I, and I was going to say we couldn't get any lower in this episode, but somehow we did. Um, next ep next uh, sketch is the man who watches his own life be critiqued by off-brand Roger and Ebert. 
Yeah, the uh, oh, Ebert Siskel. Siskel and Ebert parody. Yeah, yeah. And so the guy um, gets his life reviewed, and they think it's a waste of time, <laughs> and so much so that he ends up having a heart attack. Yep. I yeah, this one was meh. Yeah, this one was kind of kind of it's kind of eh. I do like the lines at the end. Like, I think when it really comes together is when he has the heart attack and he like, there's the shot where it shows the TV and like him in front of the TV. And he's like, he like doubles over in front of it. And the wife comes up to help him. And you can still hear the two uh, critics talking and they say something like, now he should have died in a submarine accident. Maybe like with a giant squid, something to add a little excitement to the story. I think that's the best part of this sketch when they're talking about how he should have died. Like, you know, of course, you talk about how movies should have ended or something, like how this guy should have ended his life. And so, yeah, that's a little cherry on top for me. Yeah, because I really kind of appreciate the afterwards at the roast. That's where I kind of yeah, start oh, to that's appreciate when it. Comes, oh, that, yeah, that's when it really comes together. Absolutely. After, so they set up that he dies. After he dies, we get another Amazon woman on the moon bit. I think this is when they first actually land on the moon. Mm. And the guy who got stuck in the TV from before shows up. <laughs> and then uh, Silly Pate, right? Yeah, Silly Pate. Silly Pate, I have nothing to say other than just uh, let's use it in the Cinematics restaurant. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like Pate that's basically Play Doh, right? More or less. But because, oh God, what's, what's the tagline at the end? Oh, I didn't write that down. I know what you mean, though. It's something like. It has that is that alliteration like pate for the party or something like that or yeah I know what you mean so that, you can also you can also play with it yeah pate you can play with pate play something like that with the with the peas yeah mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't really this this wasn't one of my favorites silly pate and then of course we get to as we mentioned the roast the roast at the funeral where we get you know Steve Allen. We get Rip Taylor. There's so many like old comedians. Yeah, in Rip, I, I saw Rip Taylor and I started laughing. Yes, I I think Rip Taylor is my favorite little bit in this whole thing. Where he's he's do because I think the thing that should be said is if you know even if you don't know old comedians like these comedians, it's like they're just doing their bit. It's like they didn't do anything different. They were like Rip Taylor threw confetti and talked about how the audience wasn't receptive of him. Like that's all Rip Taylor ever did. Um, what there's, what's his name? The guy who, um, Charlie, Charlie Callis or something. He worked with, um, Mel Brooks a lot. He does all the funny noises and stuff. He just does funny noises. So it's good. It's, it's interesting to watch, I think, cause it's a roast of a funeral and I like this sketch, but they're not doing anything other than their usual bits, which is a little mm-hmm. bit of a disappointment, I think. But I, I thought it was pretty cute for what's at the very end. The wife starts roasting him. Like that's that, yeah. that I thought was cool. I do, yeah, I do. I think that's like the 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 charm to this bit of the movie is where you know it starts off where the the widow is just bawling her eyes out like she's constantly sobbing, and then like very slowly but surely she comes around to the fact that these are funny jokes, and then eventually she starts making jokes about them, and so yeah, that's I think that's like I said the charm to it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I, I could I could dig that. Yeah, and of course Rip Taylor he gives his great line. Where, you know, he'll say jokes, and then regardless of whether or not the audience laughs, he'll go, come on, I don't dance or anything, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was cute. Yeah, that's why Rip Taylor was famous. He had that weird kind of anti-jokes before they were even a thing. So, so yeah, it was great to see that type of stuff. 
All right, next. Uh, we get another commercial for Don no, no Soul Simmons and his non-threatening songs. I like how that that's how they describe it in this one. They call them non-threatening. And this is the one where we get him singing, Jeremiah was a bullfrog in like perfect clarity. It's, it's great. <laughs> if there's yeah. nothing you have to say about that one, Zach, the next one we go into is probably the sketch that uh, you were imagining me in. The video pirates sketch. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we have pirates literally, you know, taking over another ship so they can loot their uh, horde of VHS tapes, VCRs, laser discs, all that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, this is another one that was like uh, not really funny, but like oddly prophetic again. Yeah, I love when he's, you know, they they break into the treasure hold and one of the, all the pirates are talking about it and they're like, Arr, so many home video releases. Some so new, they're still in the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, that this is the one where it stands out to me. Like for, for 1987, for the time that this came out, that was, there was really no ahead of its any, time. Yeah, no one was going to know how big pirating was going to become in the culture. And and yeah, so uh, oddly prescient once again. <laughs> but yeah, I really didn't have. I I, I was kind of like, eh, take it or leave it. At the end of the day. Okay, okay. After the video pirates, we get uh, the son of the Invisible Man. And while I, I want to get Zach's opinion on this, I wanted to point out to him that in the research that I've done for this recording and prior to this recording, uh, when I when I read about this film, when I hear critics' responses to this film. This sketch seems to be the odds-on favorite. Everybody yeah. loves the Son of the Invisible Man. So, what did you think of it? Uh, this is another one too. Like you kind of predict what's happening. Like the moment, like he takes off the bandages and there's nothing wrong with him. You're like, oh, it's gonna be a guy like streaking for the next like three minutes. Everyone's like, oh, watch out! It's yep. the Invisible Man. And I have to say, like, it's probably one of the more conventional sketches because it feels very Monty Python-esque. Yeah. I can imagine them doing something like this because um, it's rather straightforward. I think we do get, what, some front uh, frontal male nudity? Very slightly. They very slightly. Linger but, on. Yeah, but you can you can definitely see it. Absolutely. Ed, but it's there. Ed Begley Jr. was just going full Monty in this one. <laughs> Indeed, but yeah, no, like I, I agree with you. While I was reading about this film, that seemed to be the universal consensus as to what everybody kind of points to. Um, it's clever. At that point, I don't think it probably had been done before. This is one of those ones I'm pretty okay. safe in saying that probably it's fresh here. Um, yeah, sol solid sketch. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I have nothing against it. I'm kind of more neutral towards it because you know, like you said, it's once he takes off the bandages, you're like done and done. I get it. Like. It's just now, what are they going to do that I didn't think of in this immediate moment when I realized where they're going type of thing? Yeah. Which, which is nothing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I guess, I guess I should say the thing that is a little clever in that sketch, or at least maybe not clever, but I find a little intriguing, is I love that basically everybody in the bar that lives underneath him they just humor him until the yeah. cops take him away. Like he, he messes with the, with the checkerboard pieces, and the guy's like, Oh, what was that? There must be a ghost in here. And he like Ed Begley Jr. like giggles and runs away. And I'm like, okay, that's that's a little funny that they're humoring him for some reason. <laughs> but I guess have you ever seen the original The Invisible Man? Oh, a long time ago. Long, long time ago. Because if you watch that, like everybody like thinks back to like those universal like original like monster films. Mm -hmm. That one was very like again, 
it's very similar to that because the Invisible Man, whoever his name was, is yeah. rather cheeky in that film. Oh, that yeah, He's, that I wouldn't remember. Yeah, like he is very cheeky. So like I wouldn't like that's where this didn't really like come across like that funny to me. Because he does do like mischievous things in that film. It's not just like, oh, he starts like like robbing or hurting people. Oh, okay, okay. That's where I, this didn't feel like that much of like satire or parody God. of that film. Oh, interesting. Okay. More more the setup because it does look very, visually, it looks very similar to the film. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of because I think even in the film, like he's in like a um hot well hotel of sorts. In a, oh yeah yeah yeah. With the bandages and he's got the whole yeah. setup and, and very similar, like he sets up his lab. Yeah, that's it, that's like the the extent of what I remember was what they they play off of in this bit. Yep. Yeah, like it's funny. The jokes might not land a hundred percent, but everything else surrounding it is in like the context to like connect it to what it's supposed to be like lampooning is right. spot on. It's aces. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I appreciate that. But yeah, solid. And I agree with you. That was a thing that like everybody points to. It's like, whoa, this is yeah. great. This isn't that great of like a, a anthology comedy film, but this one sketch, it's great. It's the standout. Yeah, it seems. Yeah. Yep. Which I don't agree with. Yeah, definitely not. As we've discussed our favorite sketches already, it seems. <laughs> so the next one we get is we return to Amazon Woman on the Moon the third time. I think this is when they actually find the Amazon women on the moon. And the only thing I wanted to say about this is I love the the little bit where, like, the captain of the spaceship is talking to the queen of the Amazon women. And she's, like, she says something about Earth, and then she says something like, we haven't needed Earthlings for a hundred gamma spans. And the human goes, gamma span? And she goes, a, a unit of moon time similar to your Earth year. <laughs> and I'm like, that is great B-movie fake dialogue, you know? Be like, we're going to introduce a concept that sounds science fiction, but then relate it to exactly something you know. <laughs> it's, it's like the exact opposite of uh, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, yeah. There we're going gonna to take a term that you've never heard of and relate it to something that it's not applicable to in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Did you have anything else about uh, the Amazon woman on the moon when they meet the, um, you know, uh, that's the I whole one where Joey Travolta is like, you know, it was like, yeah, like you never seen a man before. She hasn't. What did men do? Well, I do something in the back of a Studebaker. That's that bit, I think. Well, is this the part where they're eventually flying away? From no, the that's the fourth one. So that's, that's the, the next time okay. we see the Amazon woman on the moon. Yeah. I know something happens with the monkey toward the end. That I thought was really funny. Oh, OK. Yeah, I don't think the monkey's in this one too much. All right. Okay. So the next one is a sketch that I don't even remember. The uh, Cambridge Society of Art has lost their lease. So all of oh, their art must go. Yeah. So they're like, every Van Gogh must go. And and they offer the original Declaration of Independence as a free gift with like a certain purchase. <laughs> yeah. Now, OK, now it's coming back to me. OK, I like I like that one just because I think that's that's a funny concept where they're just like, you know. The art doesn't matter. Keeping our business afloat matters or keeping <laughs> the people running the business. Because they even say they're like, we have the Mona Lisa that you can, you know, buy type of thing. So, yeah, I, I dig that one. And then also right after that one, also before the First Lady one, we get the another bullshit or not where they recreate the sinking of the Titanic with the little yes. boy boat. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think, Zach? After all your Titanic research, seeing that that sketch, was the Titanic bullshit or not? <laughs> I love again. That's the thing I do. Like I love when people do reenactments of the Titanic, and they do it so crude. 
I I love seeing like a tight, like, especially like ever since like in Jimmy C's film. Um, I just love the idea of having like a model boat in the water. I don't care how bad and just crummy it looks. Yeah, it's like in a little Tupperware in the sketch. Yeah, yeah, I like that because even like like the, one of the first like major Titanic films, like A Night to Remember, uh, the shots of the ship are a model in like a swimming pool. Or in a oh, tank. okay, okay. And I'm like, yeah. I just, I, I always dig that. Like, even, nice. I, I, just, I love that. I love that as a thing. Okay. Oh, this yeah, yeah. nonsense. Yeah, yeah. After those two, then we get the first lady of the evening, in which the first lady of the United States, the president's wife, used to be a hooker. And the beginning of this sketch, I find ungodly hilarious because they just lead the audience to believe. That, like, a previous John of this first lady, of like, a previous patron of this hooker can just sneak into a White House bedroom with a pocket-sized liquor bottle and go, long time no see to the first lady, like, <laughs> looking for sex. Like, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Irving Sidney, the man who gave us the bestsellers Irving Sidney's The Naked Virgin and Irving Sidney's The Power in the Flesh comes Irving Sidney's sizzling new blockbuster. Hey, baby. <laughs> Long time no see, huh? There must be some mistake. Come on, who are you kidding? It's me. It's Bert. Look, I'm in town with the textile convention, and I thought maybe we could, uh, you know, uh... Party! <laughs> I don't do that anymore. You better get out of here. Or you wake the president. Yeah, this one didn't really resonate with me, because I, I don't even remember it. The whole thing's set up as it's like it's a novel that's coming out. Like somebody wrote a book called First Lady of the Evening. And the <laughs> premise is that the first lady is a former hooker. And she's <laughs> continuing to be a hooker. Hooker in while, the White House. Like in the White House, yes. And the sketch kind of dies out after the beginning. It's the beginning that I'm highlighting because I love the fact. Like literally, they show like this drunk dude in a trench coat sneak into the White House with liquor. And say to the first lady, long time no see, looking to have some fun? Like, that's just glorious, that there's no you secret like service in this universe, yes. <laughs> then you can sneak into the White House that easily. <laughs> if you had nothing else to say about that one, we move on to the condom sketch, in which the uh, teenager is trying to purchase condoms. Where at first he is embarrassed, but then he eventually buys them, and it turns out that he's what the like the hundredth customer of condoms. Well, the thing I like the most about this, it's a sketch that we've all seen before. Like the kid sits there, wants yeah. to buy a box of condoms. The pharmacist, it's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. The pharmacist like knows him when he's a kid, and he's like, "Oh, I remember when you were this small and you were coming in here." It's like you must be in here for some candy. I remember no. when I could fit a condom over your body. <laughs> 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 yeah that like i like I, the thing i really liked about this sketch that made me genuinely laugh was like he gets embarrassed he goes outside sees his girlfriend he's like god damn i i, I love that like, <laughs> yeah. he, like he's like it's worth it and he goes back inside and the pharmacist is doing the same thing again like oh you must want he's like i want condoms yeah and what's the, yep. what's the what's the brand of the condoms like, like titan. titan condoms like i want condoms and he's what the mil the millionth customer or the, the billionth yeah. sale yeah something like that and all the people come out and and I think that's a, that always makes me laugh because, you know, we get like like you said, we get the scene where he goes back out and sees the girlfriend in the car. But the whole setup at the start is him and the girlfriend in the car. And so we see the outside of this pharmacy twice. But then like a minute later, when he orders the condoms, 
over a hundred people with cameras rush in. And I'm yeah. like, where the hell were these people outside of the pharmacy? <laughs> yeah. Like, I love that, that nonsensical aspect of it. <laughs> yeah, that was good. No, this is this is one of those ones that I really appreciate because even like you have the little mascot that's like a giant condom. Yeah, and then you yeah. have the the billboard. It's like it's like the, the like, you have like a billboard that says like okay, whatever I don't his name use, is. I don't use any other condoms. Yep. <laughs> That'd be great. We should have condom billboards. Ooh, interesting. So yeah, I I yeah, I'm with you because this sketch is something you know. It's like it's been done before. Once again, we don't know if this is the first time it's been done, but I can't imagine. Like in the '80s, this had to exist as some other sketch somewhere. I don't know. Uh, this seems like a weird thing that like people. This is like one of those things that we talk about, like Cat in the Hat or like mm-hmm. Wonder Shows yeah. in, where I do think there's probably like, not enough pe- like people in the right social circle saw this because it didn't get any sort of like major exposure that they feel they could like borrow from it and pick at it. Oh, okay, okay, fair, fair. This feels like something because again, think about it. Like, you have all this talent here, and yet this never really found an audience. So like, mm-hmm. oh, nobody's ever seen this before. So like, we can steal from it, and yeah. no one will be, no one will ever know the wiser. Gotcha, gotcha. I think the only other thing I have to say, I agree with what you said. Um, definitely, that's a good point to bring up with this concept of a sketch, at least as we're seeing it now. The only other thing I had to mention uh, with this one is that the guy who's like is the pharmacist or the guy working the counter, um, he's one of the brothers from Trading Places, like the two rich people that make the bet for a dollar. Randolph Duke is who he plays in Trading Places. So this is the only time I've ever seen him other than, you know, Trading Places or Coming to America where he has the cameo. So good stuff. We will get to Trading Places one day. I don't know if Zach's ever seen it, but I definitely think that's a cinemodity when Dan Aykroyd gets PCP planted on him. <laughs> I have not, folks. So another oh, okay, looks- okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a, I, I really enjoy that movie. I think it's a cinemodity. We'll get to it one day. And this dude's in it as a, uh, an old person. <laughs> as an old person. All right, so now after this sketch, then we get into the last bit of our Amazon Women on the Moon in which they are leaving the moon. And I think the only thing they do with the monkey that they might, uh, that you might be highlighting, Zach, is when the spaceship is taking off from the moon, they show, like, the humans undergoing centripetal force. So, like, they're all getting pushed back in their seats. And then there's a shot of the monkey like going through the same thing. Is that what you were thinking of? I don't know. Something I forget what it is though. But in one of the bits, the monkey's doing something great. And okay. I forget what it I, is. It might, I think it might be when this... they first land on the planet. It might be that too. Okay. Good. Oh, when they do first land on the planet, the monkey's the one that figures out they can breathe the atmosphere on the moon. Like the monkey's the first one to take its helmet off, and it's eating a banana. I don't know if that jogs your memory. But... Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, the monkey didn't stand out to me to any great extent, so I'm not sure. It's a monkey, Rob. How does it not? How does it not stand out? Probably because it's an animal. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I couldn't give two fucks about animals. Oh my! Oh, sorry, Rob's Rob's feeding a uh, cat cigarettes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, but also, I mean, I think every time Zach and I talk and we're not recording, I basically have like a five minute rant where I say nobody cares about your dog. Stop posting it to social media. Not to Zach, just to everybody in the universe. <laughs> oh boy. We're learning so much about Rob this episode, folks. He realized that he'll never be allowed to choose another movie on Cinemati, so he has to lay it all out right now. <laughs> yeah, if you show me a picture of your animal, I'm not going to care. <laughs> Ever. Uh, so, so yes. I do, like, I do like in this that when they're trying to like blast off from the moon, um, Joey Travolta is like sitting in front of a switchboard, and he's like, he has his hands on two switches, and he keeps like 
like pushing them back and forth, like up and down. And you hear the noise of like a car engine not turning on. And he's, he's like, the spaceship won't turn over. And I love that idea that they have to turn over the engine of the spaceship and they can hear it. So that always gets me. And then the moon explodes at the end of the sketch. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So apparently Amazon Woman on the Moon, a movie that we have not seen all of. We've only got to see bits and pieces in the universe of this film. The moon explodes for some reason. So <laughs> <laughs> all you can see it's very clear. There's like one piece that like just stangles there. You can see it on a string. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And then and we the, only have two left, unless we're yes. running in. Yeah, so nope, the next nope. is the uh, the personalized dating video or the personalized, um, I guess, porn video. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where uh, Andrew Dice Clay shows up. <laughs> so I guess the gist of this is that a guy is looking for a video. The clerk at the store says, ah, it's Saturday night, you don't have a date. I'll give you this video with your name on it because his name is what, Ray or something like that. And then the video has some woman, you know, they do like a POV thing where you're having sex with a woman. But then Andrew Dice Clay breaks in and says, you know, you're you're fucking my girl. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill the girl, all that stuff. And then he get he gets arrested by the tape, right? Yeah. Yeah. OK, the videotape arrests him. Yes. <laughs> I uh, I don't have much to say about this other than, you know, Andrew Dice Clay, I think, is one of the most intriguing comedians to me. I don't know if Zach is very familiar with Andrew Dice Clay, but. Andrew Dice Clay, like, literally got famous for nothing, I would say. Are you familiar with Andrew Dice Clay, Zach? Wasn't he? Well, again, I kind of heard of him in passing. I'm not a fan by any means. But, uh, yeah, he's done a little bit of everything from what I can gather. Okay, so I know him from his stand-up, and one of his, like, most famous stand-up bits is— I'll I'll find the clip and put it in because I don't think I'm going to do it justice. He was one of those stand-up comedians, like, I would consider along the same lines as, like, you know, Sam Kinison and— And even Howie Mandel, when he first started, like, they were not funny. They were just doing characters. And, of course, Sam Kinison was, I'm going to scream nonstop. Andrew Dice Clay was a gangster. And he was like a a greaser, I should say, rather than a gangster for that time period. Like, he was a greaser. He was doing that kind of Travolta in, um, you know, Greece uh, performance. But he was really vulgar. And, like I said, I'll put the clip in. But one of his most famous bits is he literally says... Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eating her curds and whey. The spider came down and said to her, what the fuck you doing, bitch? And that's literally the joke. Like, I'm not kidding you, Zach. Like, he would just add curse words to nursery rhymes, and that's why he got famous. Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eating her curds and whey. Long came a spidey, sat down beside, he said, hey. What's in the bowl, bitch? Oh! And I don't think it's funny. I think it's intriguing more than anything because he was famous enough to be on, like, you know, reality shows back in the day. Like, he was on The Apprentice with Donald Trump eventually. Oh, yeah. And that type of stuff. And I just love the fact that he was famous for literally doing nothing but cursing in a period of time where people were looking for that, it seemed. So, The 80s yeah. were a hell of a decade. Absolutely. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> I do like, again, like, I love the one shot in this where obviously, like, it's the normal thing you'd expect from, like, a pornography video. And, like, and she's like, oh, God, it's like the normal dialogue, like, I made dinner, but I'm not really hungry for food if you catch my drift. <laughs> and she, like, leads him to the bedroom, or the video goes into the bedroom, and he slowly, like, inches his way toward the TV. And I just love, 
like like again, where clearly like sex is being simulated on her end, and the way his like head bobs, just like watching it. Yeah, like, on, on this yeah. really like t- teeny like t- it's not even like a TV; it's a monitor almost. Yeah, yeah, old school, beyond my comprehension at least. Mm-hmm. If even old school, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I even like too that like she's like this guy is like, you're gonna sit there screw this guy. It's like no, he's a loser. I want no parts of him. Yeah, you think I could get in bed with a worm like Ray? And it cuts to the dude, just like his face sitting at the chair, and he goes, "Worm." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this one's pretty good. Like I, I would imagine, like even though nowadays this has probably been done before, but uh, back then this 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 is probably a novel concept. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you did you um pick up? Did you? I, I guess I should ask you the best way to put it because how I found it, the the guy who rents the video, so the non videotape person, Mark mm-hmm. um, Clark. Did you recognize him? Uh, should I? Well, well, I, I recognized him in the sense that I watched this for this recording, and I was like, he looks really familiar. I couldn't put, place it. But I looked into it, and I think where I recognize him is he's Marty McFly's older brother in the Back to the Future films. Oh. And that's the, that's the only thing I think. But for some reason, when I watched this yesterday, oh, I was yeah. like, I was like, he looks really familiar. Like, where do I know him from? And that's yeah. the only thing I think I could have picked him up in. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. I, I know what you're coming from now with that. Yeah. So what? What his most famous thing ever then is what? Doesn't he steal toast from Michael J. Fox in the first movie? That's it. Something like that. <laughs> in the in the first like one of the early scenes of that movie, he he steals toast or breakfast from Marty McFly, and that's it. That's all we see of him <laughs> till the end. Till the end. Until he's wearing like what a business suit. In yeah, the picture. He's like, oh yeah. And in the he's picture, like, he's wearing mean? a Janelle shirt. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean yeah. the car is wrecked? He's he's like Biff is doing it right now. Yeah, you're right. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, so Mark McClure, that that's his claim to fame. <laughs> when I hear Back to the Future, all I hear is uh, Huey Lewis in the news, and it's like, don't need money, don't need cash to ride <laughs> this train tonight. That's all I hear. You say that we're Back to the Future. I don't hear any like DeLorean nonsense. I just hear Huey uh, Huey Lewis. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> That's a logical thing to hear, right? That's perfectly oh, yeah. normal to hear Huey Lewis if anyone says the word Back to the Future. Yeah, I think it's a 50-50 for everybody in the universe. If you say the words Back to the Future to them, they either think of that song by Huey Lewis in the news, or they think of 1.21 gigawatts. It's a 50-50. Oh, okay. 50-50. Not, not, not 88 miles per hour? No, no. I think 1.21 gigawatts has more staying okay. than that now. The Libyans! Does the 88 miles per hour even make a... Does it make... Does it make an appearance in the second two movies? Do they even reference that? Because then yeah. the second movie start where they're just like, fuck it, we're flying. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, Rob, that's exactly how the first second Back to the Future begins. <laughs> fuck it, we're flying. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Christopher Lloyd says that exact line of dialogue. Where like Marty's like, Doc, so what's wrong with our kids? Are they, are they assholes or something? And then Doc says... Fuck it, we're flying. <laughs> that's exactly how it is. That's pretty sure. That's in the original shooting script, and Christopher Lloyd's like, I don't think that's gonna work for the kids. Oh, that's the that's the alternate cut of that movie. I oh, remember, okay. Where where we get to see a lot of Doc Brown cursing. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of Amazon Women on the Moon with the the nude model wearing clothes. It's the opposite. There's a dirty cut yes, of Back to the yes, Future. It gets more vulgar. Absolutely. Doc just curses every character in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
So uh, the last sketch is Carrie Fisher. Yeah, good old Carrie Fisher. Um, it's uh, it's a uh, what is it called? Reckless Youth in the style of Reefer Madness PSAs. Um, I guess I have to ask you, Zach, what your thought on this was. This whole sketch before it's even known that Carrie Fisher is in it. There is scrolling text. I guess I wanted to to pick your brain. Do you think this is a Star Wars reference or just a straight uh. PSA reference? Because of course, it's not angled. It's not like our usual Star Wars title crawl, but this certainly starts with a good bit of text scroll. I, I didn't get that vibe from it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever really gotten that vibe. It's just kind of this this time. I think it's to be Reefer Madness. It's 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 a re- it's a parody of Reefer Madness. Yeah, yeah, and unlike I said, all those or this could just be, and most likely is, just all those PSAs had some you know kind of scroll mm-hmm. scrolling text, and they're just playing yeah. off that so. exposition to kind of set their uh, set yeah. the stage for what it was going to be about. This is the sketch that has like the the biggest mine of great lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think, like I love some of the ways that uh, they Carrie Fisher especially delivers these lines. Like that, the one scene where she's talking to the doctor, and it's a flashback to when she like she goes to New York, and then she's living with the boyfriend Ken or something, and Ken is like, "I'm going to work," and walks directly into a wall, yeah. and then it cuts it cuts to Carrie Fisher and the voiceover of her like holding her her hand to her mouth like in a shocked manner. She goes. Have my sinful ways caught up with me? Had I inflicted Ken with my secret shame? Like, that's, it's just awesome. Like, it's so monotone. It's so, you know, bad actor PSA. Like, they're playing it perfectly. It's great. My shameful affliction was exposed at last when Ken began showing symptoms of the disease. Goodbye, honey. I'm going to work. Goodbye. Ken! What's wrong? My eyes. Had my sinful ways caught up with me? Had I inflicted Ken with my secret shame? Yeah, no, I, no, I like that. Um, like even like the whole setup to this, where like she's going to the doctor, and what and what's her thing? Oh God, she she went to a guy uh, an elite party or an elite yeah. Like yeah, the, it, the, uh, like the high, highfalutin New Yorkers stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I love how she goes to the party and it's just a bunch of people like bopping balloons up and down, like bo- yeah. keeping the balloons off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And again, the whole fact that like again, she she contracts a um oh god an STD, and I love it. And like oh everything's fine, and the husband walks directly into the wall because he's gone blind from syphilis. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. funny. Okay, you know the sad thing though is that like this is this is another one that probably worked a lot better on paper. But mm. it plays it's it plays the joke almost too straight. Oh, okay. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think I feel that way the most when they get it comes out of the flashback and like this the the, uh, the the psychologist or the scientist that uh, Carrie Fisher's talking to takes her down to like the research area and there's like the wolf man in the cage mm-hmm. and it's like he started with beer and cigarettes and it's funny because the wolf man starts like reaching for them like he puts his arms outside of the cage and he's like and he's like reaching for them and the scientist smacks him away and goes no no we don't have any cigarettes and it's like that's funny but you're right they're playing it too straight like i wasn't ready for a wolf man 
after all of that straightness in the New York party scene and the, and the social disease stuff. So yeah, yeah I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The whole sketch is played, is played too straight for what it like all the different like jokes for the setup and payoffs. It's just, yeah. uh, cause even the whole fact that like, Oh, once we find out that her husband's blind from contracting syphilis from her, it's like, Oh, it only kind of affected his day job as a day welder. And it's like, Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he welds a coworker, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we see him like with the welding torch for like tense, 10, 15 seconds. Seconds, and then he turns it off, lifts his mask, mask up, and says something like, "Oh, John, I didn't see you there." <laughs> yeah, like I said, this this movie plays better the more times you watch it. Like this is one of those ones that you'd have to show it to somebody, then come back to it like in a few months, if not a year mm. or so. This is one that I would imagine like appreciates in value over time. This is not a. It's funny. This is like one of the very few cinemodies that's not like a hit and run. Fair. Fair. I, I could I totally agree with you. Absolutely. I don't really remember how I felt about this the first time I saw it, but I've definitely just seen it so many times at this point that it's it's all blended together and and I just love it for sentimental reasons, for the reasons I've discussed in the actual sketches. It's yeah, I, I dig it. It's 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 thank I, I'm glad that this exists so we weren't forced to talk about movie forty three. I probably would have just <laughs> removed the idea of doing a sketch comedy movie because there is nothing to say about movie forty three. Oh yes, there is. This movie forty three is oh. almost like incomprehensible. Dick and ball jokes for ninety I, minutes. It's terrible. But there's so much there's there's stories And then there's an animated cat that doesn't like Elizabeth Banks. That's it. <laughs> there is we could t- I feel like there's more context to that movie than there is with this. Well, Zach, this, that, this that is, will be the lead into our next four. Oh, no. Sketch comedy. Oh, no. That'll oh, no. Be, the next sketch comedy you give me will do movie 43. That'll be the trade off. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's no. like, fine. We'll just never do it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I agree with you. This is a this is a better movie than movie 43. But I, again, it goes back to like, again, for the people at home, there's a great like, oh, God existential question that Rob and I have on this podcast is that like, Oh, the movie of the day or the week is horrible, but it'll make great conversation. Mm. Then there's the movie. Isn't is much more enjoyable. Yet the conversation will be dull. And that's where we have to, and that's where we realize we're like, Oh God, it's like, which one do we pick? True. And that in movie 43 would have been with us. Like, Oh, it's a, it's a worse movie. But there's no shortage of things to talk about. Because there's a lot of content. I remember hearing stories about movie 43. That like they originally got. I think Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry. And they used that as like the carrot. To get all the other like movie stars they got. Mm-hmm. And then like Hall- Halle Berry and Hugh. I think Hugh Jackman wanted to back out. And then they had, like, they had to like hold him under contract. To get him to stay in the movie. Okay, I, I can't imagine why he would not want to be in a movie where he has, like, genitalia on his face. That's him, right? Don't give it away, Rob. This is There's nothing to give again. away! <laughs> He's ruining the movie. It's a trailer! Wasn't that in no, the fucking trailer? No, no, it's not. No, it's not. I, that's where I was shocked, because if you watch the trailer, that's not there. That's, but it's in the movie. Oh, okay. Well, this is okay, L's well, all over again. Rob it wasn't in the, the trailer. It was it. It was in Men in Black Two. That is, there is no way that the genitalia on Hugh Jackson's face is the best part of movie forty three. There's no way. It's not, but I think they just didn't want to spoil that uh, that exceptional comedic goal for the audience. There's nothing to spoil <laughs> about movie forty three. There is nothing worth. It's like when we. It's like when you talk about you know like whitest kids you know when you're hate for it. That's the hate I feel for movie forty three. Like that's 
There is no corn in that crap. That is just there's there has to be a Facebook message or something somewhere. Or Rob's evangelizing about movie forty three to me. I ha- I'm pretty sure I have a message. Yeah, and somewhere. it was years ago. And of I course, know. I'm I'm not gonna deny that I'm a different person than I was years ago. So, I mean, yeah, we could read that, and then I could be like, that doesn't change my opinion. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever had such a hard 180 on a movie before as Rob had on that. <laughs> no, I think that's just that's just our our motto. Like you, like not the cinematics motto, just you and I personally. We have 180s on movies. That's just how it goes. But that's <laughs> like like I watched something and like it while I was younger. Then like I look back to it now and I'm like, oh, I get why like a child would be amused by this. This was somebody who was like wholeheartedly endorsing something. And then years later is like, no, this is like cinema, like cinematic, like cancer. Stay away from this. Like it yeah. is like a polar opposite reaction, which I, I, what was the time when you rewatched it? Your opinion fundamentally, like, was it just like over time that you thought about it? Or was it like a rewatch that caused you to re-evaluate? No, it was, it was rewatches. It was other people wanting to see it after I downloaded it. That I was just like, no, I don't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> I think it was, it was. It's kind of what we've been saying a lot about uh, late night movies, where it's like, it's, I I think that certain things are good late night movies, but then when we talk about them, we go through this pantheon. We I realize that it's like there's so much better things to get reactions from people. Oh man, I look forward to it, folks. Like, isn't there a sketch where like there's like, oh god, devices? It? It's like what the oh god, it's like a new iPod. But it has like a like a hole, and boys keep sticking their ding dongs in them. Oh, it keeps mangling it. Yeah, yeah, mangling there. Like, they're like, please don't stick your penis in these holes, and then they keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's like the eye babe, and it's like part iPod, part uh, part uh, woman. Yeah, yeah, and I think that is the sketch directly prior to the young girl getting her period for the first time, which is just There's- like sickening <laughs> there's one no i remember that and there's one i don't even remember the bit but there's one bit in that, that i remember finding hilarious i don't even remember what it is it's not in the trailers i remember, I remember seeing that bit and there's one bit and i don't remember the bit but like, i remember laughing hysterically there's one bit and i gotta go okay i gotta find it now on youtube and i'll uh if i remember the bit that i found so funny i will insert that right here hey kids zach here so i went back and watched the period sketch from movie 43 and i couldn't stop laughing i genuinely don't understand what rod's problem with this movie is i died laughing during that entire sketch and that's not even a joke okay this, let, let's how about this acts as our our movie 43 discussion this this counts what we just said i don't already. know i don't know now. now that i know rob this is kind of like a sketch comedy repellent i might be i might have to pull this out like next time rob's like zach it'll be like the animal collective thing we have to talk about more sketch comedy i'm like well we have to talk about movie 43 and i'll put rob like in the corner i'll be like nope nope never mind table the motion <laughs> movie 43 is sketch comedy repellent i yeah, like I would that say, i would say it's just as bad as the amanda show 100 percent Oh, nothing's as bad as the Amanda show. I, uh, I nobody got sketch, sexually nobody got sexually molested during movie four. How do you know? How do you know that, Zach? <laughs> Kid, okay, we might need a we might need a movie forty three fort month to dive into. Oh that. no! Oh no! <laughs> I want that. That should be a podcast. A uh, a minute by minute breakdown of movie forty three. Oh, that would be. How long is that movie? Frequently be... listened to. Oh, what? Sixty minutes? That movie? No. <laughs> we count. Damn. We count the credits too. 
Oh, 62 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember how long. I, I, to be honest, I haven't watched that in a very long time. It's been like maybe four, four or five years since I've seen it. That movie's not uh, even that old. Uh, no, no, yeah, it came out in what, 2012, 2013? 13, 13. Yeah, and I think I, I saw it in theaters, and we watched it a few more times, and I was like, never again. It's just been oh, man, Rob, my hard drive. Rob, it's 98 minutes long. We can get at least two years worth of episodes out of that. <laughs> you say a minute an episode? Yeah, we, we oh, break okay, out. We you're, still talking every about, you're still talking about releasing once every week. I thought yeah. we were going to switch to daily. Okay. Oh, daily. Okay. Yeah, so. I was about to be like, if we're doing daily, how are we going to get the two years? No, no. That's <laughs> we have to do months. every five seconds. That's three months of content. <laughs> yeah, but if we do every five seconds, then. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep breaking it down further and further. Just keep diluting it. It's every day we release a 10-minute episode about five seconds of a movie, and then at the end of it, every, they just like listen to it all in one go, and it makes sense. <laughs> Critics' consensus. A star-studded turkey, movie 43, is loaded with gleefully offensive and often scatological gags, but it's largely bereft of laughs. I would uh, agree. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if, if I think that's the trade-off. If Zach wants to go back to sketch comedy for a month, we'll do movie 43. If he doesn't, uh, he'll have to... Uh, Convince me why we need to discuss Movie 43 in another series. So, With that being said, no more Movie 43. We finished Amazon Women on the Moon, the movie and the movie in the movie. So on to our real questions. What do you want to start with, Zach? Uh, Cinemodity and or late night movie. Okay, okay. Cinemodity, I'm going to go... I think I'm going to say no because... The concept of sketch comedy movies, I think they exist, and even if people don't know about them kind of firsthand, they're somewhat aware of them. And I don't think this does enough to to really break into anything special with that format, especially because it wasn't the first, you know. Not that, you know, Kentucky Fried Movie was the first, even though that gets pop, pop, uh, popularized as that. It's, it's kind of just, you know, nothing really special about it in terms of cinemodities. For late night movie, though, I am going to say 100% yes not only because I love the idea of showing somebody late at night a sketch comedy movie, be like, I'm like, this is, you know, almost 90 minutes of sketch comedy and be like, who's in it? Everybody. I feel like a lot of people are, you know, they're not going to know what to think about that. But also because I wanted to tell the story about a time I previously tried to use this movie as a late night movie. Um, it was in a larger group setting. It wasn't in really the context that we usually talk about late night movies where you have control over what to put on. Basically, I was in someone's apartment. I think there might have been like eight to ten people there. You know, a bunch of different groups were forming and, you know, some people were off in the kitchen, some people in the living room. But it got to the point in the night where my buddy who, you know, owned or rented the apartment, it was his place. He was like, let's put something on like, you know, so some people can watch stuff and we could do whatever. And we started talking about stuff to put on. And he was basically like, I don't want to put on anything that, you know, you need to follow. Like, he didn't want anything with a story. Like, he didn't want somebody who was in, you know, they were like, oh, you know, we're out on the porch for however long smoking cigarettes. You come back in, you're in the middle of a movie. It doesn't make any sense. And so I was like, oh, sketch comedy. Like, sketch comedy you can jump into any time. And he was like, yeah, but I want to put a show on. So I was like, Amazon Woman on the Moon. And he agreed because he had seen this movie prior. He was one of the people I showed this movie to in my undergrad. And we put this movie on. And I am not kidding you, Zach. Literally 20 seconds into the movie, someone at this party or gathering, whatever you want to call it, threw a fucking temper tantrum. 
Like, I'm not kidding you. This dude, who I still know and I still talk to, he just went on a tirade where literally he was standing in front of the TV, blocking the TV, screaming in this kid's living room, why the fuck are we watching this? This is so fucking stupid. This is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. And honestly, he was screaming this during the part of the film where Arsenio Hall is entering his apartment. So Zach can attest to this. This is less, you don't even know what the movie is about. And I sat there and me and like, like I sat there in That's awe great. because someone was standing in front of a room full of people and he was intoxicated. We were all intoxicated. It must have been close of to 11 course. p.m., I'm sure. And he is throwing a fucking fit about this movie that he knows nothing about. And so I'm just in awe. And my buddy is like, shut up. Stop yelling. We don't need to draw attention to ourselves. We're turning the movie off. And we played nothing. There was no other movie played the rest of that night. And I don't know to this day. I have no idea why this guy was so angry about this film. I don't know if it was because the first shot is of an airplane and he had a bad experience with an airplane. No clue, but it happened to me. I tried to play this as a late night movie. Someone threw a fit. So I'm saying 100% yes, I want that to happen again. So late night movie gets a resounding yes from me. <laughs> I was I was going to handle, I was going to say no to late night movie. But now if we can provoke that sort of response, I have to give it a yes. Someone screamed. He didn't scream at me. He screamed at a room full of people about the first two minutes of this movie. I don't get it. I never will get it. But maybe he was upset that it wasn't movie 43. <laughs> we'll never know. I, I, I still know this dude. I haven't talked to him in a long time. The last I heard of him, um, he's become very successful at like flipping apartments in the real estate industry. That's the last thing I heard about him. Was he oh. just making good money in the real estate flipping apartments? But other than that, I will always remember him as the guy who screamed about a movie he had no knowledge about. <laughs> so you're saying yes, if we can get that same thing, if you get like oh, someone yeah. scream at you. Yeah, it's it's almost like the golden uh, the golden goose of late night movies, right? To get that reaction of something so tame almost. Oh, yeah. You, you want that of any late night movie. <laughs> Yeah, I love when I play Surviving R. Kelly and I get screamed at. <laughs> <sighs> oh, boy. Yeah, um, Cinemodity, yes, as well for me. Oh, you're going yes for Cinemodity. Oh, okay. Any particular reason why? Uh, I think it's, it's so obscure. It's re- I, I'm always fascinated by movies that have this much uh, star power behind them. Oh. And okay. they're so obscure. So I'll give it on that. It's an obscure title. It deserves a Cinemodity badge just for that. Fair. All right. Well, then I guess snacks. Um, I think we already said it. Silly pate or pate, however you pronounce it. Right. Just why not? You know, we, I think we talked about on the Cinemodities podcast before how uh, pate is made and how it's incredibly inhumane and it's uh, it's very damaging to geese. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> if we can order it, you know, we're not hurting the geese. We can still order it. That just seems to be the motto of every restaurant in the world. So why not? The other two things I was thinking of, um, one is not a food item. I would love, as we have, um, you know, kind of like the Vox Lux animatronic, and I think I think it came from one or two other things where we had performers in the restaurant, not the people who just go around and talk to the tables, like the the actors or whatever, like the the terrorists or the, the people from the Key and Peel Terry sketch, uh, Nelson De La Rosa. I want something more of an actual performance on, a, on our stage of 
Don No Soul Simmons. Oh. But I want I want to give him more modern rap and hip hop music. Like oh. I want to see I want to see the No Soul version of like a Kanye song of like you know a Flatbush Zombies song of you know those those rappers that are really doing like the crazy sound effects and stuff. I want to hear Soul removed from that. So I want, yeah, I want to hear Kanye's Black Skinhead by Don No Soul Simmons. Yes. yes. <laughs> I want to hear like a pop melody version of Black Skinhead. Is Black Skinhead the well probably with the clip in, but it's a Oh, on a piano rendition of that by Don No Soul Simmons? Beautiful. For my theme song, my leather black jeans on, my by any means on, part and I'm getting my scream on. See a black man with a white woman at the top floor, they gon' come to kill King Kong. Middle America packed in, came to see me in my black skin. Number one question they asking, fuck every question you asking. If I don't get ran at my Catholics, it comes to conservative Baptists. Claiming I'm overreacting like the black kids in Chirac, bitch. Four in the morning, and I'm zoning, they say I'm possessed. It's the omen, I keep it 300. Like the Romans, 300 bitches, where the Trojans, baby, we living in the moment. I've been a menace for the longest, but I ain't the third snack I had, um, we talked about Rip Taylor in the, the funeral roast sketch. Mm-hmm. And like we said, all those comedians are just doing their bit. And of course, Rip Taylor, uh, one of the things he was very much known for is that to punctuate his, his jokes, he would throw confetti out of his pockets. So I would like on the menu an item called Rip Taylor's Confetti Salad. And imagine a salad, like, um, like picture right now, Zach and our audience, a regular salad. Whether you like lettuce or spinach or a combination of them in your salad, you know, think of that. Think iceberg. of all the toppings. Yes, whatever, you know, a lettuce or spinach, romaine, iceberg, any of that stuff. Baby spinach, you know, you, you eat the huge leaves of spinach like a weirdo, that's fine too. Think of your toppings, you know, you got croutons, you got red onions, you got peppers, you know, all this stuff. Think of your ideal salad. And then take that greenery, that lettuce or that spinach, replace it with confetti. That's the dish. So it's a, it's a confetti salad. So it's confetti with any toppings you want and the dressing of your choice. You want a homemade Italian. You want a ranch. You want a French. Thousand Island. Because we got it all in the back of the restaurant for medicine for Zach's cooties and chooties. It's up to you. What do you think? I can dig it. Okay. Right on. Right on. And I mean, confetti versus... Uh, lettuce, there's barely any nutritional difference. <laughs> like, as long as the confetti isn't, like, metallic confetti, if it's just paper, you might as well just be eating lettuce because there's no nutritional value of okay. lettuce. So it, it, it's probably not even going to, like, fail a health or, or break any health violations, you know? No. Cinemati's life lesson, eat your salads with spinach because there's no nutrition in lettuce. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, snack time for me. I want the condom walk around character. I want that. I, how did I know this was gonna happen? Like literally uh, last night, watching the movie for this recording, I saw the condom character in the like his whole getup, like uh, mascot costume, and I was like, I'm not even gonna write this down because Zach's gonna mention it. Oh, definitely. How did, how did I know? <laughs> I'm a sucker for the walk around costume characters, folks. <laughs> it is it is a great costume, specifically because of the mouth. Like the open mouth grin smile thing that this condom has on it, it's perfect. 
Well, my question is, do I want the walk around character? Or do I want the original costume like in the Cinemodities restaurant? Kind of like the Dune from Jodorowsky's Dune, the Chansey puppet from Wonder Shows. And I'm not sure which I want. Do I want a uh, reproduction or do I want the original under glass? So, so the reproduction would be the one that gets to interact with the customers and the common folk. Yes. Where the original would be the one we need to keep in storage. But we can only have one or the other. Okay. It's it's not in storage. It's out in public. That's like the plant Hollywood part. Oh yeah, of. sure, sure. It's in it's in visible storage. Yes. I guess. Yeah. We, we we couldn't hide a gem like that. Uh, oh, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> mm, interesting. I uh, I don't know. I feel like we've added so many walk around characters that we're kind of losing track of them, and we're not. It does under- it- Don't tell me something about a restaurant doesn't matter, Zach. Okay, I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. But we need to get better at how they interact with each other. I have not thought about the uh, socio-dynamic of the employees of the Cinemodis restaurant. Do you know how many I – mean, well, I think you should say you haven't thought about this explicitly <laughs> because you were the one – I'm pretty sure you were the one who recommended we give all our employees jizzles. So that's just like implicitly well, saying, well, just fuck anything in the restaurant, well, right? <laughs> no, how they interact with each other. Well, yeah, each other is anything in the restaurant, so – like if you get sure. if you give your employees a jizzle, they're gonna be like, "Well, we can fuck in the walk-in cooler and clean it up." Like they're they're giving this to us, you know. <laughs> and you're right; we don't know how we have not given thought as to how these things interact. Like you know, is Nelson De La Rosa punching everybody in the genitals or just the men? Is you know is is there like you know is every female that works here pregnant? No, he's sexual. Who's just a Casanova? We don't know. We don't. We don't get into this stuff. The restaurant's too big for us to carry on and and handle all these things, right? <laughs> oh my god, that's great. I love the idea that like, okay, now that we've given the jizzle, it's just basically like a like a oh god, a restaurant orgy. Like if you if you actually get any food out of the kitchen, it's nothing short of a miracle to Cinemati's restaurant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> The Cinemati's restaurant is listed as like an active war zone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, but no, it's okay. So ignoring that last five minutes, the food item I have does relate to uh, Rip Taylor confetti. But Ooh. I realize we're going to do something a little bit more normal. We are going to have fun Fetty cupcakes, but they're going to call it be, but they're going to be Rip Taylor's. Funfetti cupcakes. And it's just so, straight up, we're buying a box of Pillsbury and we're just putting it in the oven. Okay. Will there be actually like confetti on it? No, it's just the straight, edible, it's, weird confetti it, they put on those things. No, no. It's just straight up like Funfetti cupcakes, but we're calling them Rip Taylor's Funfetti cupcakes. <laughs> so it's just like regular cupcakes. Yes. Like there's nothing. Okay. Like it's like somebody sees that on your menu. They're like, what's the angle here? And, we're, and, and the waiter says, there is no angle. Are you sure? <laughs> No, there is no angle. angle. <laughs> it's just straight up cupcakes, and, and nobody orders it because they're afraid it probably has like it's probably made out of like fiberglass or something. <laughs> okay, I dig it. I dig it. It's a fake out. That's it's like a it's like a reverse fake out where it's like, well, how is this going to hurt me? It's not. I don't trust mm. this. Hmm. Mm, I, sh- I guess I might want to order the wax fruit then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're seeming pretty shady right now. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I also I, I like. And to answer your question about like all the acts that we have on stage, mm-hmm. I think at some point we're gonna have to have it for maybe the Sin Emodies, where we have a Sin Emodies review, and we have like all the characters like on stage like singing and dancing together, like all their like animatronics. 
okay. it's the Sin E Monty's review. We have like the Vox Lux animatronic. We have we have a little bit of everybody. I'm thinking of like you know in in I don't know if Zach knows, but in reality shows they'll do the audition phase and they'll let way too many people through because that's what makes good TV. And then before the live shows, they'll do a round of judge cuts. And I know, like, America's Got Talent does this. I know um, American Idol did it back in the day. I know So so You Think You Can Dance or whatever the fuck that show's called. That's what I'm imagining this is, where you're saying, like, everybody we've ever thought about for performance is going to be performing at the same time, and we're going to be cutting them in real time. No, oh, no, no. We're going to have... So you want, like, like an audition? No, 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 no. It's everybody on stage. Like, they're all, like... Yes, it's it's a review. It's everybody. There's no cutting. It's just, like, a giant stage, and we constantly have to keep building it out because we keep adding performers to the stage. Oh, oh, okay. That's where I think I misunderstood you. So everybody's on the stage, but we're not, like, cutting them. No, oh, no. We're just continually adding adding. (laughs) And it's just just a cacophony of sound. It's a (laughs) cacophony. It's just a cacophony of sound when they get started. So the tryout is when we discuss the movie, and then they're just there forever. Essentially. (laughs) Perfect. Okay, okay. I like it. Oh, so we're eventually just going to need in this enormous infinite void of a restaurant an enormous (laughs) infinite void of a stage? More or less. Perfect. Yeah, thankfully we've uh, gotten good uh, on good terms with the infinite void engineer, so... (laughs) We're right on track, everybody. <laughs> we just keep adding more and more space to this uh, restaurant, folks. <laughs> the uh, city zoning board wants us to approve the demolition of their local uh, police precinct for the <laughs> extension of the Cinemodities restaurant. And they uh, they overwhelmingly accepted once we wrote them a check. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine, like, like we keep talking about, like, all this, like, sort of, like, oh, Lord, surreal nature of, like, adding just, like, space to the restaurant, and we're telling the contractor this, and the contractor's like, how am I going to figure all this out? We have an orphanage here. We have a hospital there. How am I going to keep building this out? Oh, and, the whole time, and the whole time, Rob's talking to the contractor, and his, like, his pupils are, like, super dilated. He doesn't blink at all. <laughs> and I'm like, just, if you, I'm like, if you want me to be in the bulldozer, put me in the bulldozer. It'll get the job done. <laughs> and Rob's like, I am the bulldozer. <laughs> I'm even thinking now, like, you know, going even like into the reality aspect of it. I hope that one day we start to get tweets and people are like, you can't destroy the marshlands for your restaurant. You can't destroy the orphanage for your restaurant. We're going to boycott your restaurant. And they're like, not going to understand that it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna continually talk about the environmental impact of the cinematic restaurant and all like the what haven't we talked about like slave labor in this restaurant and stuff something at this like point? that and they're gonna be like oh we need to boycott this and be like this is this does not exist you know it's like all those people who what they they boycotted Netflix to remove Good Omens and it wasn't even a Netflix show that type of yeah. thing <laughs> well it's like isn't that like every once in a while like the picture of like uh, Steven Spielberg kneeling in front of like the down Triceratops how dare he kill this majestic creature and be like it's a fucking puppet <laughs> <laughs> has something like three million retweets like, like he there's created a lot of- it to lay on the ground looking like that like he didn't knock it over even <laughs> it's, it's an inanimate object yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and there's two people that think it's a real creature. Yep, yep. So only ho- I, we can only hope that one day people think the Cinemodities restaurant is a reality and committing a slew of war crimes. That's our goal. And the only <laughs> exception is that if Rob and I ever do get the funds to create this restaurant, we will have no problem destroying private property or demolishing private property 
in order to uh, bring this into fruition. Oh, 100%. All right. Well, if nothing else to be said about Sketch Comedy Fort Month, it's over, pretty much. Thank God. Zach, uh, Zach I want to turn it over to you now to ask you if you would like to do any discussion about where we're going next. Because we're finally starting a new series, which is, of course, your choice. And maybe the next, probably next year well, is Zach's I, choice. There's, there's two things I want to mention about uh, Amazon Women on the Moon before we get going. Oh, oh, sure, sure. First is a question. We didn't discuss it. But during the Andrew Dice Clay bit, he shoots the woman in the video, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he's about <laughs> to shoot himself. Shoot himself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And two, as I've said on numerous episodes of this podcast, I like listening to like other podcasts or like any sort of like video, like trying to get a feel of like what people's opinions on this movie are. Yes, yes. Zach is a well-rounded person, or likes to be. I love context, folks. I'm a connoisseur of context. I feel like I I listen to other podcasts, and they go, I didn't want to be influenced by anybody other than my biased opinion. (laughs) (laughs) But I listened to another podcast whose name I couldn't even tell you right now if I had to. And it was a man and a woman. I think it's the man who normally hosts the podcast. Mm -hmm. And he's talking to the woman. And they have like a five minute dissertation about like how comedy is so subjective. And he's like, why give you things to watch? If you don't laugh, I know that's truly not funny. And this guy is like 110% like in the friend zone to the point where like it was hurting me. Listen, it was hurting me to listen to it. Okay. And I'm like, it's just like, it was painful. Like he clearly has the hots for this woman Mm -hmm. and, or I don't know if it's his co-host or just a guest. And she is a hundred percent oblivious to this. Okay. Like where okay. he's like, like, like him being able to make her laugh. He's like, he's like, I know how hard it is to make you laugh. So when you chuckle when I make a joke, it feels good. And I'm like, this is some weird ass crap to say. <laughs> like, this is weird to think about. Never mind to say it out loud. Yeah. And I, beca- I forget about the movie discussion because the discussion for the movie was more or less just like, I found this part funny. I yeah. found that part funny. But like, it hurt me so bad that this guy had such like a weird like affection for this woman that she was a hundred percent oblivious towards <laughs> yeah for anybody out there if you ever say that phrase like if you're using another person's reaction to gauge your opinion on things like stop stop tweeting please that's i think that's the best thing i say stop tweeting <laughs> you are a sad person but like it hurt like it really like i'd love to play a clip of it here because it really was pathetic but um unfortunately yeah, single be- out who it is yeah, that would be breaking new ground for putting in clips of other podcasts. You know, you know what Rob and I might have to do? I might have to go back and listen to this and transcribe it. And Rob and I, on our, next time we oh, record, do a reenactment. We'll, we'll do a reenactment of it. Much like BS <laughs> or not, we'll play it. You tell us if you think this is BS or not, if we actually made this oh up. Oh my God, I love that idea. I love that That's idea what I do. so much. It's, it's pain. Because again, I'd love to play it right here. But um, we couldn't be. Maybe, maybe if we disguised it. Maybe okay. I guess I'll do the reenactment. But yeah, I love. I love the idea of the reenactment. I really do. But well, considering this episode doesn't go out for like another like three weeks, we have time to work on that. That is exactly what we need, Zach. During the sketch comedy fort month, we do our own <laughs> bit. <laughs> That's what we need to round it out. We have to do this. You sold me. I might do it by myself if you don't want to do it now. I'm gonna badger you for this damn podcast. I'm gonna do. I'm going to do like a man and a woman voice just to get this done. This is a great idea. <laughs> Hopefully Zach and I will do this together. I think we'll have to, we'll, we'll get to off, off air fight about who's going to play the man, who's going to play the woman. It's going to be great. <laughs> we have much like our friend during the, our mutual friend during the, Am- uh, the Amanda show episode. 
we're gonna have to reach out to this person and be like, did you bang? Like, did you <laughs> like? Did this lead to banging? Did did <laughs> did the uh, did uh, we? We reach out to them and say, did the platonic sleepover <laughs> slowly move to dry humping and end up with insertion or penetration? <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh, uh, don't contact me again, you sexist motherfucker. <laughs> hey, kids, we did it. Enjoy this sketch from Robin Zach. I also found out that he is from Detroit. Like my favorite podcast hosts are from Detroit. Oh, who are they? Well, I'm talking to one of them now. Am, am I from Detroit? I also like that they reference Atlanta in this sketch. Because I'm from Atlanta. Oh, I get it. I am from Detroit. So, Rob, are we going to end this episode with some, uh, some no-soul Don Simmons? That's what I was thinking. Absolutely. We get some, some good old Don No-Soul Simmons. and Because we, we don't really have an intro theme for this uh, specifically, Amazon Woman of the Moon. So we play us out. And then uh, we get into our next series, which is Zach's Choice. And I don't know if Zach wants to mention it at all, um, but maybe it's one he's excited about. It's one I'm kind of on the fence, at least for some of the films. But I don't know if you wanted to say anything about that, Zach, uh, what we're going to discuss next month. I'll just, uh, we'll play a musical cue here. And uh, I guess other than that, um, it's over. You might never hear from Rob again. He's peaked. Sketch comedy's done. <laughs> Zach might have a new co-host, but we'll see how it goes, right? Oh, boy, folks. I'm like Andrew Dice Clay right now. I'm putting the gun to my head. I'm like, I can't. You know what? I know I'm done. I'm just going to put myself out of my own misery. <laughs> I'm done because this is all I ever wanted to do. Zach's done because he's tired of everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is the true end of Cinemodies, folks. It ends with the sketch comedy fort month. Yep. Not with a bang. But with sketch comedy. Sarat's <laughs> 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 <laughs>